1: Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William bibiani I'm a film critic for Bloody Disgusting. Everybody calls me Bibs. My name is, uh, what's a good Star Wars name? Uh, Jet- Whitbold Simon.
0: J- 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 Jetroll. Jett-
1: Jett- Wait, I know this. It's J- the street Jett- you grew Rol- up on. Jetroll
0: Snug. Oh, <laughs> it's the
1: street you grew yeah. up in and then your cat's name. It's the opposite of your porn name. Oh, okay. So I would be Hill Rio.
0: Okay, that's pretty that's, good. That's not bad, right? Yeah. What would yours be? Wait, so it, my, my street is first or my yep. cat is street first? street is first. So I, I, would be, I would be Euclid Zeus. See,
1: that also sounds right. good. <laughs> Zeus Euclid doesn't sound right. Zeus Euclid sounds like a porn name. Euclid yeah. Zeus. Oh my God, we've unlocked this. <laughs> <laughs> we figured out the trick.
0: All right. My name is really Whitney Seibel. Uh, I'm a film critic for various outlets, whoever will have me. Uh,
1: yeah. And uh, this is canceled too soon. We review TV shows that failed. And sometimes a TV show that failed is actually part of an enormously successful blockbuster franchise. Just because you remember the parts that did well, doesn't mean there weren't other parts, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we are going to be talking about the short lived one season wonder Animated series Star Wars Droids.
0: Or, or to cite its full title, Star Wars colon droids hyphen, because Star Wars loves to do this crap. Yeah. The Adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO. Um, which
1: was originally called the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour because it premiered as part of a two-part hour of programming mm-hmm. along with the Ewoks animated series, which actually lasted more than one season.
0: So we can't cover Ewoks. No. Which has a really, really awesome theme song, if you've ever heard it. I actually don't recall it. I didn't look e, 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 well, actually, um. Uh
1: To be fair, Droids has a pretty cool theme song, too. And it was written by Stuart Copeland from The Police.
0: And uh, Stuart Copeland, he actually does a lot of film scores these days. Yeah. So he's, he's worked with film and TV a lot. Yeah, uh, he
1: did uh, He did the theme song for The Equalizer. He did mm-hmm. the theme song for the video game, Spyro the Dragon. He worked on Babylon 5, Wall Street, mm-hmm. Highlander 2,
0: he, Good Burger. He's like, uh, he's like Danny Elfman, but he came from a, a lame band. Uh, oh, shut <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I kid the I police. would a,
1: argue, Oingo Boingo is cooler than the police, but let's not yeah, put it down it, the police. In,
0: by every measure, I Oingo agree. Boingo is cooler than the police. I
1: agree. I would also um, argue that Stuart Copeland doesn't really have a signature style the way Danny Elfman does. That, One second, this, the cat is this, on
0: the this, counter already. This is a, take a drink, the cat's on the counter. Luca. But uh, we're, we're talking about droids, and I think it's uh, it, it might be fair of me to say that the... The majority of Star Wars is bad. Okay, the, like the, the well, like, definitely, I don't think you've actually read overfin- the majority of Star Wars. The, okay, stories. to be fair, I haven't read like any of the tie-in novels or the but, comic uh, books. I imagine, or, or any of the comic books. But I have seen all of the movies. Mm-hmm. There's fifteen of them. Including, uh, the TV, including the TV movies. movies. I've seen yeah. all of those, and I've s- now I've seen droids. I haven't seen any of the new show, The Mandalorian, which I hear mm-hmm. is, is quite good. It's a little mixed.
1: Uh, uh, the, what I've seen, I mostly like. Right. It's not a
0: bad show. Okay. There's definitely good stuff in it. Um... Uh, yeah, and I saw the movie that was based on the previous animated series, the Clone Wars animated series. I wasn't based on it. That was supposed to be the first three episodes,
1: and they decided to put it out as its own movie. I think it counts as a movie, because okay, it, it was released good. theatrically. It was released
0: theatrically. There are it's other like, quite bad. Uh, there are
1: other like TV movies, but they're specifically <laughs> comprised of just multi-episode arcs of the Clone Wars or something right. like that, so that's a different thing.
0: But uh, I'm just, just sort of combing through what I have gleaned, and this is just anecdotally as the, like, the, the most acclaimed and the least acclaimed of the Star Wars movies. Uh, mm. Critically speaking, most of the Star Wars films get pretty good reviews. Even when it came out, uh, The Phantom Menace got okay reviews. The
1: majority of the, uh, of the prequel trilogies mm-hmm. we've come to know them, they're not the only prequels in the series, but episodes one, two, and three when they came out, a lot of critics were willing to give them a bit of a pass because mm-hmm. they were such milestones in visual effects, and yeah. because they hit some really big bullet points that really satisfied a lot of fans. I remember I think Ebert gave Phantom Menace four stars when it came out, but, and was mostly because of just how new it felt.
0: Yeah, well, and, and uh, Ebert was uh, very keen on, he, first of all, he loved science fiction, and yeah. he always loved when science fiction special effects broke new ground and gave him some sort of new visuals to look at, which the Phantom Menace did. Yeah, didn't Ebert make uh,
1: Dark City, his, his uh, pick for the best film of the year in, like, he, 97, 98. he did, yeah, 90, yeah,
0: yeah, when the year that came out.
1: I think it came out in, like, yeah. Australia, and then it came out here. Yeah, he, year
0: he really loves so. movies like, you know, uh, like The Cell. He, he gave, yeah. like, a really great review yeah. t- because... movies, Those movies don't even have
1: much in the way of logic, but they're <laughs> just so... They're so visually striking. They're absorbing, yeah. yeah they're just new and different. Um,
0: but uh, just, again, anecdotally, I think... People can agree Star Wars is quite good. Uh, Popular opinion is that The Empire Strikes Back is the best that Star Wars has ever been. Yeah, those two
1: Um, or Chimpiglins are the two best. Yeah, uh,
0: I've I've heard a lot of mixed things about Return of the Jedi. I love the creatures at that first act, like uh, the whole job of the hut stuff. And after like then, there's like two almost two full hours of film that are just completely forgettable. I love the job of the hut
1: stuff. I love the finale with Luke and Vader and the Emperor mm -hmm. and all the stuff on the forest moon. Mm of Endor
0: is okay. Yeah. Uh, Nobody, you know... The Star Wars Holiday Special is as bad as you've heard. If you haven't and seen it, it's it. worse. It's it yeah. one of the
1: hardest watches I've it's ever sat really through in my hard. entire life. And it's
0: long too. It's as, it's it was longer than Star Wars.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's extremely ill advised. And mm. I know some people don't count it as a movie, but it has a narrative. It has a beginning, middle, and end. They never it's, break it's the can- fourth it's wall. A, yeah, it's, it's canon. canon. There it's are totally elements canon. of it that come up. In fact, a uh, Life Day, mm. the holiday they made up for the Star Wars Holiday Special, mm. that is like specifically referenced in the Mandalorian. So whether okay. or not- all Whether right. or not the 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 holiday special itself is canon, mm-hmm. elements of it are considered an important
0: part of Star Wars yeah. lore. Okay, um, but nobody likes it. So <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I don't particularly, know, I, I have not. heard no defenses of the Star Wars holiday special. The one part of the Star Wars holiday special
1: that uh, was put out as the "quote unquote" complete Star Wars bullshit, <laughs> not complete. Uh, yeah. A great set. No one's arguing that. Not complete. You can't put that word on it. Mm. I find that false advertising. But the one part from the holiday special they put on there was the animated sequence, which was about the first time that I think it was Luke and Han and Chewie and the droids uh, met Boba Fett. And that was Boba Um, Fett's first introduction ever. He'd never been in the movie yet because that Mm. special came out between Star Wars and Empire.
0: There's these little, like, tiny things that a lot of the – even the biggest Star Wars fans tend to ignore or overlook, like the the two – uh, films set on the Ewok planet
1: mm-hmm. uh, which, uh, Ewok's Caravan of mm-hmm. Courage and Ewok's battle for, Endor, battle for Endor both of which have really impressive visual effects and i would argue that Battle for Endor is actually a pretty good mm. fantasy movie
0: w- Which one has the evil wizard in the castle
1: That's uh, Battle for Endor Battle for Endor okay yeah. Which is ironic because it's not a Battle for Endor it's a Battle for the Forest Moon of Endor
0: oh, They sorry. never get to Endor <laughs> It's bullshit It's like going to the moon and saying, yeah, we're on Earth, too. Uh, Yeah, I get that. No. (laughs) But uh, I know a lot of people say those don't count, or I'm not going to put those in my rankings. And then everybody feels kind of sour about all three of those uh, the George Lucas-directed prequel films.
1: Um, That, I feel, has changed a bit over time for two distinct reasons. One, the kids Mm. who grew up with them have grown up, Mm. and they have a lot of affection for them, and the things that they liked are the only things that really matter to them. And I still think that there are a lot of ins- extremely valid criticisms of all of those. Mm. I do find them mostly distracting. Little moments of inspiration, scenes that are really cool here and mm. there, but I don't think they work dramatically. The other thing that I think people appreciate about them, and I think this was always in there, but it was just really clunky. McClunky? Mm. Um, m- is- m- yeah, McClunky. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, good reference. But mm. um, I think... Uh, I think people appreciate the idea that those prequels are giant blockbuster movies about the rise of fascism in a democratic republic. Mm. And there are days when it feels apt. And people are (laughs) like, George Lucas was right. And I'm like, yeah, and if he dealt with it better dramatically, maybe we we could have foregone
0: that. But no, Mm. (laughs) it's real, it's
1: real McClunky.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, and uh, uh, it's been pointed out. It's about the rise of fascism, mm -hmm. uh, which was... The, it's a star, star Wars. It's about war. But mm-hmm. uh, at the time those movies were being made, we were getting into wars. Like mm-hmm. America was getting into wars in, in, in the Middle East. And so I think... Or at least the second two. Uh, yeah. The second Santa two, yeah, the, the, came out in
1: 99, but yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, I think uh, George Lucas started to change his tune a little bit and wanted to sort of point out that you know Star Wars were exciting at one point. But now there's something a little bit dark about all of this. But yeah. then... Is Star Wars really the appropriate place to explore that? Maybe, maybe not. That's up for debate. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Well, the original Star Wars was dealing with mm -hmm. imagery left over from World War II. And Mm -hmm. it's easy to point out, you know, okay, all of this stuff is bad 30 years after the war is over. If Star Wars had come out in 1935, mm. and we've seen like, movies try to deal with the rise of authoritarianism and uh, what was going on, the darker elements of what was going on in Europe in like the late 1930s or even early 1940s in America, and you saw people in America really try to downplay it as if it might not be a big deal,
2: yeah.
1: it, much to our shame, yeah. our collective shame. Like, there's a lot of those movies age real badly because we're just trying to say, like, oh, Germany won't be that bad. Like no, it'll be one of the worst things in human history. Um, so, yeah, I feel like you know, mm. hindsight is twenty twenty, and right. Star Wars was able to be a bit more on the nose about it than the Star Wars prequels were. Yeah, prequel
0: and I, I, I know there's a lot of yeah, just sort of people who grew up liking. I remember when uh, and when the Force Awakens came out, there were uh, this sort of influx of new articles defending the the prequels, even though for the better part of a decade, people just hated those movies. Yeah. Um, you look at the movies that the Disney produced movies, the Force Awakens and the five feature f- feature films they released. Yeah, and it's difficult to get a line on them because there. I, I have the way I feel about them, but and your critics did sort of generally praise these things. But some people find them, t- depending on which film you're talking about, they're the best or the worst thing ever. Well, I think, and the- I understand that's the way conversations work on these hot, yeah. hot properties. They're either the best or the worst. There's not a lot of shades of gray, but. There are a lot of people who really, really loved Rogue One Mm -hmm. and disliked The Force Awakens. And then there's people who feel the opposite. Well, I feel like what happened
1: with the Disney movies Mm. is that, for better or worse, George Lucas wasn't a part of it anymore. And he was, even in the projects in which he was not super Mm. involved, like the the animated series reviewing today or the holiday specials... um, he was the guiding hand. He was the person yeah. you could go to and say, is this Star Wars or is this not Star Wars? And you could tell you. Yeah. Um, I feel like Disney wanted to, at first, with The Force Awakens in particular, make something that felt very old school, George Lucas Star Wars, uh-huh. and then they wanted to branch out a bit, and then I think there are people who either didn't do a very good job of it, or Disney panicked because it started becoming a little too different, and... Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what I feel like we're dealing with it, the Disney stuff is stuff that's either trying to push what Star Wars is trying to be, in a way that can be a little divisive. Uh, mm. The Last Jedi, in particular, some people love mm. it to pieces, and some I, people I, hate it to pieces. I, and
0: I, it's my maybe my second favorite of the Star Wars movies. It's in my, my top the, uh, three, I yeah, think.
1: Okay. Um, and uh, then uh, you know, there's stuff like. When uh, Lord and Miller tried to make the solo prequel movie, movie yeah, yeah. and they tried allegedly they tried to make it really funny, and they were just like, okay, we wanted you to try something new, now i got to scale that back, rather than just from the get-go, knowing, is this Star Wars or not? Damn. So, there could have been an exciting time where all of a sudden Star Wars could be anything, and it feels like they want to have it kind of be anything, but then always pull it back at the
0: last minute yeah, well, and make they, it feel... They need to be something very specific. Yeah. Um my frustration – and this is going to lead into droids. So yeah, we're getting we're, we're, there. We're, we're, we're just laying down the primary. Star, Star Wars is like such a cultural little, institution.
1: It's, it's always important it's when you, you talk it, about it to let people know where we stand Get, on. get
0: our bearings. Yeah. Uh, I've never been a big Star Wars person, but I have seen all of the movies. Uh, so I'm familiar enough with Star Wars. Yeah. Um, one of the big frustrations I had with the Disney era Star Wars, we're going to bring it back and we're going to tell new Star Wars stories. I'm like, okay. Doesn't necessarily excite me, but here's an opportunity for a new studio with a lot of money to do whatever they want. Do something new. What do you have with Star Wars? Then they made The Force Awakens, which was, many people observed, very similar to the 1977 Star Wars. Mm -hmm. A lot of story beats. The characters were all just sort of lifted off. You've described it as the uh, Muppet
1: Babies of Star Wars. No,
0: it's it's the uh, Tiny Toon Adventures of Star Wars. Oh, my apologies, Yes. So it's, yeah, it's like junior versions of familiar characters, new characters. They can interact with the old ones, but they're really the same. Uh, And so I was, I was willing to sort of say, okay, that was well done. It feels like a Star Wars film. You got to play it safe when you're starting up something kind of new. The first
1: one's got to be non-threatening.
0: The second one was so non-threatening. It was so fan pandery and dealt with all of the same familiar tropes that I actually got angry watching it. You're talking about Rogue One. Rogue One. I really hated that Uh one. Then uh, the next one was The Last Jedi. I thought that one actually had some new things to say. It was actually not necessarily pushing things in a new direction, but very clearly trying to tear down a lot of the old tropes.
1: Which is interesting, because I feel like that's what Empire Strikes Back tried to do in a Mm. lot of ways. It changed the complete format. It separated the characters. It took Mm. place over a short period of time. Uh, It ended on the most unexpected cliffhanger. um, Well, not a cliffhanger, actually, but the most unexpected uh, revelation. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like The Last Jedi did the same thing, but now everyone was extra married to the status quo. Exactly, as opposed to we exactly. only had one movie, so, and so I felt that mixing it up wasn't too weird.
0: I think that one was kind of daring. I know there were a lot of people who didn't like that it was you know actually essentially turning to Star Wars fans and saying let, let all that crap go. It's yeah. not it's not any good for you. I mean, let the past die is you know the really great line from that that movie. Mm. Then they kind of retreated. They did Han Solo. They did uh, uh, ri- the, the Rise of the Christ, or whatever it was called. The <laughs> Rise of Skywalker. Right, the Rise of Skywalker. And that one was clearly just sort of panic mode. They fell back into like more familiar territory mm-hmm. and they brought back old characters and things that weren't even supposed to be teases. Turned out they had big payoffs that only fans kind of asked for and yeah. clearly didn't want. So I feel like in all of this whole new era – the in the Disney Star Wars era, they have not taken any opportunity to grow the Star Wars universe. It's all been really familiar stuff.
1: We're just revisiting stuff yeah. that we've known. Even Rogue One, which introduced a lot of characters, took place in
0: this tiny little pocket. Yeah, right before Star Wars, and yeah. every all of the tension any mm-hmm. if it, I mean, it didn't really have any, but all of the drama was manufactured from. Familiar iconography and our foreknowledge of what was to come in the following film rather than establishing anything on its own.
1: Now, we need to give some credit here, and I haven't really watched all of these, Mm. but there are like TV shows that are trying to grow it now, like Star Wars Rebels, which Mm. are, yeah, which take place in a pocket but are trying to expand the mythology a lot, is my understanding. And the Mandalorian, which also seems kind of tidally off in its own corner, but is at least trying to make mm. have a more mature approach to it. Like, yeah, try it's, to do it's, something. I mean, little, it's, try to do the spaghetti western version as opposed to the old school western version. Right. Uh,
0: and, and it is, you know, I know it's not Boba Fett, but it's, you know, essentially Boba Fett. Yeah. And, like, functionally, it's Boba Fett. They're,
1: they're, you, you they're can giving in, us the Boba Fett we wanted.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we can have Boba Fett, but it's not Boba Fett, so it can all be canon. Yeah. Uh, and. So but so it's we're still toying with familiarity, even if it's a new town. I haven't, I haven't seen it, though, so I can't really speak to it. Yeah. Droids, from 1985. Mm-hmm. 1985 to
1: 1986.
0: 85 to 86. Yeah, uh, it's aired on ABC. It's an, yeah, it's an animated series. It's about two familiar characters. It's C3PO and R2-D2. Mm-hmm. And it takes
1: place are, between episodes three and four.
0: Yeah, so it's it's before Star Wars. Uh, these androids have lived a very long time. We they are not androids, androids.
1: They are droids. As we learn in the series, androids are different.
0: Androids and droids. Droids is not short for androids.
1: It's yep. just droids. I assumed it was. I actually paused it mm-hmm. and rewound the scene when they say, you <laughs> approach these two droids and this android. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? I assumed droid was short for android. What the fuck? <laughs> Turns out android's a different thing. Okay. I, they well, don't and specify, and but there you go.
0: But it's the first that I've experienced... Where the Star Wars universe was bloody expanded for the first time. Mm. Where it wasn't just stuff we're used to. The two characters mm. we're used to. Yeah. But they're off doing stuff I've never seen Yep, they're dealing with characters I've never seen, and Heap might be one of my favorite creations. <laughs> oh my god, to come out of Star Wars! Heap? And we're gonna, we're, really, we're going with Heap? Okay, uh, well, I have uh, issues okay. with Heap, but we can talk about right. Heap when we I, get. To I like, like, I like the Heap. great Heap. I like the great Heap. I'll just okay. say, it.
1: I right, just okay, I unabashedly, will, I like the great Heap. I will say two things. Mm. One, if you like, like a sort of expanded universe from Star Wars, may I suggest? The Star Wars Expanded Universe, which is a series of comics and books that expanded Star Wars. Yeah, it's like Shadows of the Empire and that sort of stuff. Once you get into print, there's Mm -hmm. a ton of that. But in terms of movies and TV, there's less than than you'd like. Mm -hmm. Um, Some quick uh, rundown stuff before we get into uh, Mm -hmm. droids. Droids originally aired from September 7th, 1985 to November 30th, 1985. And then there was a primetime special... Which is weird because it actually takes place in between two other episodes, and I think it was supposed to be in the middle there, and they saved it for a later occasion. Uh, That aired on June 7th, 1986. The Star Wars droids animated series aired on Saturday mornings opposite the Smurfs. And, which was a big hit at the time. And in the premiere a show I didn't know existed and now we have to cover it. <laughs> Please tell me. Please tell me you've heard of this Little Muppet Monsters. Little Muppet Monsters. Yeah. Little Muppet Monsters. It was Monsters. a spin-off of Muppet Babies. What? It was a three episode spin-off <laughs> of Muppet Babies about m- monster muppets, you know like they're monstery type mm. like like Uncle Deadly type Uncle like Muppet okay. Monsters. Uh, who were living in the basement of the muppet house and they were running their own public access tv station
0: that sounds amazing there
1: were 3 episodes
0: <laughs> is it is it a muppet show or is it an it's animated? a muppet show it's okay. a muppet show
1: with animated segments Okay. So like there are animated pigs in space episodes within Little Muppet Monsters. We are doing this next month.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, we, we are doing this amazing. before the end of this cancel
1: too soon season, which is at the end of April. Oh, we gosh. are doing this damn show. I did not know this existed. It's only three episodes. You can find it online. Holy crap! Oh my God, what, how did this get buried? The the nineteen
0: eighties are just a trench of trash yeah. when it comes to Saturday mornings. Like they had a plow and they were playing. They were you know. <laughs> Planting seeds and dropping fish on top of them to see what the hell would grow. <laughs> it's and, weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: and it was developed by two people, who one of whom you might not know their name, and one of whom, if you know Star Wars, you do. Mm. Uh, it was directed by uh, Peter Sam- uh, Peter Souter, uh, who worked on such shows as Care Bears, Inspector Gadget, Roly Poly Oli, and he also wrote or
0: co-wrote the animated movie Rock and Rule. And if, if you've seen Rock and Roll, you can spot the style in oh, yeah. droids. Yeah. There's a lot
1: of character designs and facial animations that are mm. very specific uh, to actually Nelvana, which is a Canadian animation studio mm. that did a lot of the cartoons that you liked as a kid. When Nelvana had time and money, they actually did some interesting stuff. Rock and Roll was basically Nelvana's answer to heavy metal. Or wizards. It was, it was a more
0: mature, mm, but um, it, was, it was still. It's from what I. It's been a long time since I've been rock and roll. Yeah. But uh, from what I crawl, it, it was a little friendlier. It's like, not heavy metal. Is like for oh, like heavy harshly hard edged. you'll get but like but an yeah. NC seventeen. Like yeah, there's like animated porn in that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, rock and roll is like a really harsh PG thirteen. Or a very mild R. Like, it's definitely a little darker. It takes place in a punk rock future with a whole bunch of animal hybrid characters. And Lou Reed plays a bad guy who's, like, trying to destroy the world with rock, if memory serves, It's been a while since I've seen it. Mm. I do remember that Lou Reed plays this bad guy named Mock, And he has a great theme song that he sings about himself. And I have wanted to do it as a Schmodown entrance, but <laughs> no one would ever get it. And now that we're not we're, uh, able to do, like, pre-existing music, I'll never can. Hmm. But uh, it's awesome. It's just Lou Reed's character, and he's, like, this big, blue, sinister-looking alien. But he looks like Lou Reed. He's very svelte and sexy, and he's like walking up, and it's just like, and the music's pumping, Bum, 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 bum. and he's like shooting lasers out of his hands, and these really <laughs> glorious moves, and the and the lyrics are, "My name is Mock and thanks a lot," <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's so fucking cool." Watch my name is Mock. Like go to YouTube, watch that clip alone. If you like just that, just watch cli- all of rock and roll. Well, rock but, yeah. and roll,
0: it's it's not amazing.
1: But it is worth watching, and it's this kind of slightly forgotten 80s adult animated movie that is – not adult, but, like, for not freaking like little kids. Um, it's worth watching if you feel like mm-hmm. you've seen them all. And if you like that clip I just recommended, check it out. It's pretty cool. Um, so we worked on that. And the other uh, person who developed it mm-hmm. was Ben Burt. I And I don't know who Ben Burt is. This is okay. Oh, then this is going to be really – okay, Ben Burt. Mm-hmm is a four-time Oscar-winning sound designer who did the sound design for the original Star Wars. He's the a, one who
0: came up with... Like the R2-D2 beeps. He, and, yeah, um, he played
1: R2-D2's beeps. He's the one who okay. came up with like that droid language. He came up with the hum of the lightsaber, the really? sound of a blaster, Every sound effect you like from Star Wars, he did that. He was the guy who made adding a Wilhelm scream to a movie a thing. <laughs> it was it was a sound effect he liked right. and now every time you hear a Wilhelm scream mm-hmm. it's because Ben Burtt did it. I'm, I'm looking Burt, at him.
0: He, he did the Darth Vader breathing noises. He did Darth Vader. He did, yeah. no, he did all of it. Yeah.
1: He was um he was a a trailblazing sound designer. In fact, there's actually um oh, what's that sound design documentary that came out last year? Oh um, um not not uh it's the opposite of visions of light. It's- yeah, it's,
0: it's the sound version of visions of light. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna look it up
1: because he's like a, one of the main figures in it. Mm. But um, it's, uh, it's making waves. The That's art of right. cinematic sound. If you like sound design, if any interest in sound design, or if you don't know what sound design is, watch that documentary. It's very informative. Mm. Um, but he's also one of the people who popularized. Making your own sound effects for things. Because it used to be there would just be audio libraries of punches and gunshots. Mm. And Ben Burtt was one of the people who was like, well, let's make it sound like however we actually want it to sound rather than rely on a library. Which is why the punches and things like Indiana Jones don't sound like a punch in any other movie prior to that. Mm. Um, so Ben Burtt is an enormously important person in the film industry. He also wears a lot of hats. He edited Star Wars episodes 1, 2, and 3. Oh, all right. He did that. He also uh, wrote and directed an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles called "Is um, It Attack of the Hawkmen?" <laughs> like he did, he did one of those. And he developed this series and wrote or co-wrote several episodes. Mm-hmm. Another person who co-wrote an episode of this: Joe Johnston, the director of The Rocketeer and Captain <laughs> <Nathan laughs> America: The First Avenger, and excellent and director. Jumanji. Excellent director. I've got to Does, start yeah, good.
0: Nice, nice, clean, friendly adventure films. Yeah. Um, what so, I admire about Droids, however, mm-hmm. is uh, that it has a little bit of grit to it. Yeah. Uh, not so much. It's a Saturday morning cartoon. It's clearly made on you know on a budget. They're doing things quickly. Mm. But it, there seems to be a little bit more filth in the Star Wars universe, and I think that's something that's always marked Star Wars. Mm.
1: Uh, well, that was the idea that
0: Star maybe, Wars maybe was not, a science yeah.
1: fiction film that felt lived in, Yeah. whereas the, a lot the of the science fiction of the time yeah. felt very literally clean, because it's the future. Everything's going to be perfect, like in Star Trek mm. or 2001,
0: and here Star Wars is just like, like, well, the, they can look beat up, like it's you know, been the, used a lot. The, sh- the ships are dented, there's like yeah. you know, paint chipping off of things. We meet. The, we uh, see this
1: giant spaceship, and the first thing Luke
0: says is, what a hunk of junk." And, like, we were
1: impressed.
0: What the? Holy well, and, shit. And one of the... Th- my favorite movie is just Star Wars, of, of sure. the series, is Star Wars from the original, because it has a lot of thumbprints on it, especially yeah. if you see, like, the unredacted versions with the, the cleaned-up special effects. Yeah, the before like, the special effects, you, you can editions, still... Yeah. It's, you know, the special effects are really impressive, but still? there's still seams on it. Like, there's a, a scene where uh, uh, some characters are driving along in a hover car, but the speeder. The yeah. speeder, but, like, clearly they wanted to erase the wheels, so it looks like it was flying. But they didn't really have the technology to do that, so they actually just went, like, directly to the film strip and, like, kind of rubbed it out with, like, a Q-tip or something. It, it was
1: like a Vaseline smear. Yeah, so there's, yeah. like,
0: this little smear. It's like, oh, that's the technology. It's like the thing they're f- – the force field they're floating on. I thought it it's was, clearly like, just waves a waves or something yeah. from the thing. And, like, and but if yeah, you and see the, the unredacted version, it does look like – a smear that somebody did by hand mm. and I like that kind of stuff. I yeah. like to see a human's touch on it with you know fingerprints and, and in
1: the special editions they digitally erase that so it mm. looks like it's just floating. No, Which
0: just, is also fine and if mm. that
1: was the way they'd originally done it, no one would complain. But, but they were the contrast with the is, the, is,
0: kinda ne- is kinda neat is kinda neat and it kinda shows you just
1: how handcrafted and loved yeah, it was yeah, yeah. originally. And, and
0: I feel the same way about droids because A it's you know a cheap Saturday morning cartoon so they they don't have a lot of resources to work with. Uh Compared to a feature film, that is, Uh, and also, uh, yeah, there just there seems to be a little bit of. They're dealing with a lot of sort of the down and dirty aspects of, yeah. of uh,
1: there's Star a lot of, Wars. There's a lot of crime, like yeah. street crime. Uh, there is there's a, a lot. lot
0: of mob bosses, mm-hmm. you know, like Jabba the Hutt types, but they're all different types of characters. A
1: lot of the bounty hunters who would eventually become even more popular over time, like Boba Fett. Boba mm-hmm. Fett shows up in this. IG-88, the droid bounty hunter, shows up in this. Max a, Rebo's there. band shows up in this because we get to see our, uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO working at a diner. That's a, right. di- a diner this, which is was run Was it
0: Dexter Jester?
1: It was not, but here's something that's kind of fun and when we talk about the expanded universe and how these things kind of like gel together. Hmm. Um Ben Burt worked on this animated series, and a lot mm. of elements from this animated series wound up in the prequels. Planets would be name checked that originally appeared in Droids. Mm. Uh, General Grievous in Episode 3 has this weird, like, giant wheel yeah, 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 craft yeah, yeah. that we we've originally see for the first time in Droids. That's right. And uh, um, there's and stuff the wor- like that. And the word
0: Sith uh, first showed up in this the series. Is that true? I don't think uh, that's true. Well, no, I, I I ran it by Star Wars experts. That is some guy on Twitter, and uh, <laughs> no, I actually I actually looked it up to confirm. But yeah, it, evidently, like in novelizations or in early versions of the script, they use the word Sith, but they never actually wrote it into any dialogue. So it was like an accepted word that was sort of flitting around but the expanded universe stuff, but they didn't. The they they didn't say the word Sith in any of the movies until really? uh, until the Phantom Menace. I'm going to rewatch
1: that because yeah. that because that, that strikes me as the sort of thing that well, like, sounds true but maybe isn't. Mm-hmm. Then again, maybe it's totally true. I but don't know.
0: The, there's a Nebula in droids. Uh-huh. It's just sort of the spatial phenomenon which they call the cloak of the Sith. Which yeah. you, they don't say tell tell you what the Sith is, but. It's the first time they use this word. Now, there are a lot of funny nonsense words that they throw around Star Wars. And indeed, one of the bad guys they run into in this series is named... Kaibo Ren. Yeah! Not Kylo was- Ren, but... Kaibo. And they have nothing to do with each other. No. He's not a Sith Lord. They, they don't look alike at all. No, They're no. Like- it's just a similar
1: sounding name, but it's really distracting because he's like the main bad guy for like four episodes. Yeah. So that's really, really weird. Uh, uh, I ki- to get- do
0: you know what a Kaibo is? Actually, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's Boy Scout slang for the latrine. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Uh, the What I was bringing up, though, is that... Um, So, Dexter Jetster is this four-armed, greasy spoon diner owner Mm. on Coruscant in uh, Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones. Mm. In Star Wars Droids, uh, R2D2 and C-3PO are working for a four-armed, greasy spoon diner owner named Dudnik Sharples. Dude Nick Sharples It turns out they ended up writing some point like after I guess after the Phantom Menace came out. Mm. Like because they write short stories about just about any character, just to give you some flesh them out a bit. Mm. They wrote a story about Dexter Jetster and he and dude Nick Sharples like knew each other. Mm -hmm. So they both, they're both in it. Like they're in the same industry and they just know each other and they they, they grew up together or something.
0: You've before in public, you've pitched an idea to have a a star Wars based TV series based in that diner.
1: Uh, TV series or movie, but it was Mm -hmm. called everybody comes to Dexter jetsters. Mm -hmm. And it's all about how, um, Yeah the Emperor takes over the galaxy. Okay, that doesn't really affect my diner very mm. much. So Dexter but Jetster know, But is, he
0: knows a lot of stuff because yeah. he meets with uh, Ewan McGregor and Yeah, scene, so, so Dexter
1: right? Jetster stays open, but now it's sort of like Casablanca where people from the the Empire and people from the Rebellion They're both, both little, come in to a... Little
0: tiny diner that's yeah. neutral ground. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's neutral ground and pe- he, he ends up like talking to both uh, uh, sides of the conflict. And yeah, he's on the Rebels' side, but it's in his best interest and the Rebels' best inches for him to appear neutral <laughs> so he's got to play is both is sides. a great together. idea it's a really those, cool yeah. idea and I, I i would love for that to mm-hmm. come to pass one day mm-hmm. um but uh one second there's a couple other things um Oh, uh there's a character in this animated series named Mungo Beobob. Mm. Terrible name.
0: Mungo Baobab. Stupid ass name. It, it's, it's, it's it's they say it all the time and it sounds hilarious. It's no to me. dumber than you know Skywalker for goodness uh, sake. But, but Mungo yeah.
1: Baobab uh drives a speeder in his first appearance that mm. is the exact same speeder that uh Anakin Skywalker um uh steals so he can get in a flying car chase and attack of the clones. Oh, it's the same design. It's the same design. It's the oh, same right. make, basically. All right, so. so and, and one more last thing uh, that I thought was really, really funny is uh, Ben Burt has a cameo appearance in The Phantom Menace. And he has no lines, he's just there. Well, standing apart from
0: next... doing the yeah. droid language. But right,
1: yeah. no, he's physically on screen as, okay. as, a, as a cameo character. And he got to name his own character, apparently. And his character's name is Eben Q3 Baobab. So he's related oh, wow. to Mongo Bamba. So even so, though this so animated this series, really, is, this this series
0: was really dear to him. The,
1: uh, this series, though it is not considered strictly canon now, was canon for a while. This mm-hmm. actually did count. This this actually oh, so was this, mined this, this doesn't by
0: count as canon any
1: longer. No, Disney threw out pretty much everything that wasn't a movie.
0: Well, but this is like film entertainment this I know, I know, I know But Under they, the auspices they, of Lucasfilm their,
1: their philosophy at Disney was essentially If it wasn't a feature film, like theatrically mm-hmm. released We don't have to follow oh, well, it. I, However, I'm, they have mined some of the stuff That is mm-hmm. no longer canon For characters and ideas that are now canon. Well,
0: let me ask you this. I'm, like, I've seen all the movies, but I'm not so familiar with the details that I noticed anything. But is there anything in Droids the series that directly contradicts anything that comes in the movie? Sort
1: of. Uh, Because there is a part in Droids where C-3PO specifically talks about being made by a corporation called Human-Cyborg Relations, Right. That's also something that made me pause it for a second, because when C-3PO first introduces himself to, mm. I think, the Skywalkers or the... But, um, well, that's the, he says it a lot. I mean, the, C-3PO, you know, human-cyborg cyborg relations. relations. Yeah. Um, the idea, I always thought, was he was describing his purpose, like why he was designed. I do human-cyborg relations. Mm. I interact between human beings and machines, and I'm a go-between, and I translate mm. things. Um, and according to this animated series, human-cyborg relations is the name of the company that made him. Of course, we learned in the prequels that C-3PO was made by Anakin Skywalker. However,
0: but his mind was erased and he lived ex- on Jimmy Smith's planet, so exactly. he could have been given a false memory. Exactly, mm. exactly my point. So it's
1: possible mm. that that isn't some. I mean, yeah, at the time they didn't. They probably didn't know that Darth Vader made Anakin Skywalker. Mm. If they did, no one ever said anything. Um, but uh, yeah, that could easily. You know, there's a no prize to be won there by saying, well. They erased his memory and they gave him like a new like past or a new like mm-hmm. operating system and they probably told him he was made somewhere why wouldn't they they probably <laughs> gave him the standard protocol mm-hmm. droid backstory
0: but so at the end of episode three yeah he was given to Jimmy Smith's and and his mind was erased yeah Jimmy um, said
1: said right, uh, mind wipe the protocol droid uh,
0: and then at the beginning of uh, Star Wars mm-hmm. Uh, he's on Princess Leia's ship. Uh,
1: Well, he's on Captain Antilles' ship, actually. In fact he's given In fact he's given to Antilles at the end Mm. of Revenge of the Sith, which is another like what how did why were they on all these other adventures? Mm. And the idea some people have espoused is that at some point they got separated from Captain Antilles, Mm. they went on all these adventures and eventually they reconnected with him.
0: That's fine. Yeah, That's fine. it's okay. it's, a little, so, it's a little clumsy, but it's it's I, no worse there, than a lot of other plot points yeah, no, in Star no, Wars. Nothing that necessarily directly contradicts. So, I, so I, I, like, I
1: don't think I like to think a, that this is canon. Um it, there's not a lot there's no, not a lot of reasons to assume it's no. not,
0: honestly. Here's the cool thing about uh, Star Wars droids. It's actually structured really interesting because mm. uh it's actually it's 13 episodes at plus the mm. one hour special. Yeah. But it's
1: the one hour special is basically two episodes. Yeah.
0: Well, it's Well, three, it's, I guess. It, it's it's not three episodes though because it's it's more like um, like a, its own mini movie. It doesn't yeah. separate neatly. Yeah, um, that's true. The other and ones indeed uh, don't like there.
1: Yeah, more it's, it's
0: presented in four episode arcs, wherein there's a new bad guy for four episodes. Uh, well, there's a new The, the, two, the two droids, yeah, are, are given a new master at the beginning of each arc. Yeah, and the the master gets you know involved in their own. Drama against mm-hmm. usually some crime lord, Yep. and then they separate at the end of that arc, and they start this new story arc each time. So it's essentially four little miniature movies about the droids. Yeah, basically, mm. and um, that's an odd structure for any show, really, um, especially an animated show in the eighties. Well, they yeah, didn't do it, that kind of thing.
1: Well, I think there's two. There's there's two things with that. Mm. One, um, it, it's Star Wars. I think there, and there was indeed a Star Wars droids action mm. figure line. Um, So it's possible that they wanted to introduce new characters all the time and give them enough time to, Mm. you know, make an impression on the young audience so that they could keep selling more action figures as opposed to other toy action figures lines where, okay, well, Optimus Prime is, he's still Optimus Prime. I Mm. guess we're sold a lot of Optimus Primes, but after a while we got to kill him off or do something. So here there's a structure in which we get to introduce new characters all the time. Mm-hmm. The other thing, though, and this is something that we just do not talk about enough when we talk about Star Wars. These are two sentient characters with personality, (laughs) self-awareness, the the desire for Mm self-preservation, the desire to stay alive, our own opinions. They're essentially alive. They're property. Mm -hmm. They are the Star Wars equivalent of slaves. Yes. They are. And That's they, they, it. And that really, they really put a button on that when they put out Solo with L-3-3-T, which you talked about like she droid actually, rights. Yeah,
0: she talks about yeah, th- their droids are fighting for rights, and she actually has this like very complex inner life and emotional structure. Like yeah. She confides in somebody that she's fallen in love with her human master. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she ends up staging an uprising, and at the end they rip her head off and just plug it into the shed.
1: It's really fucked uh, up what happens to L-3. Uh, I,
0: I can see... I can see how that was supposed to play as a joke from the Lord Miller version of that story. I don't think... But it in w- the final product, it, well, it's really kind of dark.
1: A, Ron Howard doesn't really have that much like wit to his filmmaking. He's not an unfunny filmmaker, but he's mm. not subversive. Yes. So I think that probably just... However Lord Miller wanted to play that, Ron Howard had played that differently. Mm. But um, beyond that, Lord and Miller are not filmmakers who... Like, they make comedies, but they're not afraid to make points with their comedies. Mm -hmm. And I think using this sort of flip, fun adventure story to sort of... And and, and indeed, it's a very colonial kind of adventure story. To finally
0: address that they've they've built a race of of slaves. That they're sentient and alive, but they're still slaves. It's really
1: fucked up, actually. And when you watch droids and you realize that here are characters who... It's sort of like... A genie who, at the end of the story, isn't freed from the lamp. They just mm. use up their three wishes and then throw the lamp to someone else. Mm. And you're just like, hey, free the genie. What the fuck? <laughs> they just did so much for you. They saved the fucking planet for you. And you feel really bad for them. And then And then uh, you find out that on the occasions in which the droids actually are separated, sometimes of their own free will, actually, they decide mm. to leave one of their masters for a noble reason, I feel. Although maybe unnecessary. Um, it turns out that when they're when they are free, they're looking for work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. They're just looking but for they, work. And there's a they, bit where they talk pro- about the agency. They're clearly,
0: yeah, they're clearly pro- well. I, I don't think they're paid, but I think they're programmed to need orders. Yeah, they're they robots after Which is all. You know, the other kind of t- fucked they're, up they're, that they're, we would give them tools. free will,
1: but also desire to, yeah. to be well, um, to be controlled. Th-
0: there's a. I mean, I, I think. I think Rick and Morty is a good show, like science fiction show, that actually deals with these concepts. It's, you know, a really crass comedy show, but. Uh, There is a character You've probably seen him On t-shirts That's called Mr. Meeseeks Oh yeah You push a button And this this living being Appears And its job Is to help you
1: Yeah You give it a a job You give it a job And and, and once it does that It does that job for you And once it's done It vanishes from existence
0: It it dies And it lives To do a job And then to die And of course The joke of the show Is uh, one of the characters Is so bad at golfing That the Mr. Meeseeks Can't help him And it becomes frustrated That it can't die Like it can't fulfill its purpose in life. That's
1: how I felt when I was watching Toy Story four, and they were talking about Forky, and Forky <laughs> is just like I'm trash. I'm yeah, done. Like I served my purpose. That's and my now life. I'm done. Yeah, yeah. So when you tell me I'm something else, that's you projecting ideas and values onto me that I do not share, mm-hmm. and it is not my responsibility to change my self perception to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. But the movie argues otherwise, and that's why I don't particularly like Toy Story four. But
0: that's that's why I love Toy Story four. Actually, I, I understand.
1: Yes. I just I find mm-hmm. it. Incredibly disrespectful to Forky, but, mm-hmm. um, but there actually is a bit in this uh, series where they talk about how oh, the agency has placed us here at this at this mining colony, and I'm like, "There's an agency for mm-hmm. droids," mm-hmm. and it turns out there is an agency for droids. There is, uh, the what is it? Oh, I wrote it down. It's called the, the the Intergalactic Droid Agency, and their whole job is okay.
0: And intergalactic, yes. How many galaxies are we dealing with here? I don't know. There's a thing called Star
1: Wars Galaxies. There's multiple. My point but is they,
0: this: they, they do talk about being able to fly across the galaxy, like just mm. at light speed. How big is that galaxy? Pretty
1: damn big. It's pretty. I don't think no, it's pretty spe-
0: Tiny. If I don't
1: think light speed actually is light speed in Star Wars. I think they just call it that. It's mm. like when you, it's like when your cell phone rings. Mm. It's not ringing. It's just well, making it's well, making no, they, noise. There,
0: there's no bell. I you think they invented light speed. Yeah. Okay. And
1: then when they actually improved on light speed, everyone was just used to calling it
0: light speed, and they just kept light speed. So it's not actually the speed I, of light. I think it's faster than the speed of light. That's my theory. Because if if you're to get in a Star Wars ship and leave Earth, yeah, you reach the sun eight minutes later. Like that's not yeah. the whole galaxy.
1: I agree. Yeah. No, I agree. That's my point. I it's feel like, that the the, the how, many, lights... how many
0: light years are we from like the center of the galaxy? Oh, it's God, like, like who the
1: fuck knows? It's some like scientists, I know fit, someone 50, actually knows. Thousand light
0: years from it's ridiculous.
1: So I don't think that's that's an actual thing. but in any case, there is an there is an intergalactic droid agency that specifically exists. That I guess them, this yeah. I guess this is in the expanded universe. Uh, that it, that if your droid whose master dies or you find yourself displaced uh, or in some way, they'll find you a new. Owner and they mm-hmm. indeed. I guess they use this agency twice over the course of the series to find their their next owner.
0: Oh my gosh! So that means in yeah. Star Wars, there's like a droid DMV, like I where don't... you have to register all of this stuff. Yeah, actually. So at the beginning of Star Wars, when Luke Skywalker just buys these two droids, they probably have to go through this really complicated well, registration no, because process they're, because,
1: they're, because they're because they're they're stolen droids. They're buying oh, stolen true. property. They, the, 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 the 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 little the Jawas. Are, Jawas yeah, yeah and... the Jawas. They're they're
0: they're black market. Okay, they're, yeah, they're, that's fair. Yeah, they're they're actually. Elite. Oh, in fact, in, uh, there's a scene where they're like rebranding droids. Yeah, so, yeah, it's like a droid shop.
1: Yeah, they're, and they're adding like restraining bolts to them mm-hmm. and everything. So basically, the opening of Star Wars is these two droids escape the Empire, land on an alien planet, get kidnapped and sold into slavery. To our hero, <laughs> it's fucked up. Actually, yeah, yeah. it's genuinely fucked up. And the the plot kicks off when one of them runs away, and Luke is like, "Oh no, I have to get this robot slave back." And you're like, like "This it, is our inciting incident for you, it, isn't it?" It just this paid a really lot. Weird. They
0: just paid a lot for that slave. That's really yeah. fucked up.
1: Anyway. Let's talk about the actual story arcs of droids. When the when mm. droids picks up, R two D two and C three P O are already screwed, which is <laughs> totally exactly like where they should be. I love mm. it when they're just placed and they're just miserable. Because by the way, Anthony Daniels plays C three P O once again, mm. and according to the credits, R two D two plays plays himself. himself. Well, they they just use the stock. Well, book. it's Ben Bird. Ben Please. Bird is still doing the R two D two sound I, effects, and some mm. of them you recognize. I think some of them are new. Um and uh, basically they just stumble across punks, a couple uh, of young punks, uh,
0: hot rodders specifically yeah. because they they are the owners of the White Witch, yeah. Which is is they talk about the White Witch the same way Han Solo talks about um the the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium Falcon. <laughs> no, they're they're
1: very big on it. They have developed themselves a racer, hmm. and indeed, actually, uh, yeah. They're going to race the White Witch in the Bunta. The Bunta is also the name of the speeder race in The Phantom Menace. Apparently, it is a series of speeder races, much like NASCAR.
0: So, Star Wars wouldn't exist without this TV series. That's an, a huge saying.
1: exaggeration, <laughs> but yeah, let's go with <laughs> oh, it.
0: Po- post any any of the movies post Jedi would not exist without this. This, is, TV this series
1: is weirdly influential, and it's actually easy to see why. Um, the animation's weird. Like the animation is like actually like more animated than a lot of uh, mm-hmm. cartoons of the era. There's a lot more yeah, they, movement. R two D two and C three PO are very rubbery, mm. and they're very expressive. Yeah. And sometimes well, to they, the extent that it's, it strains credulity. Um, there's a I bit think, where I think RPG that's fine because moonwalks. it's anim-
0: uh, it's fine because it's animation, and I think they, they made it look really interesting. Yeah, it it's is. it's full body animation. It's not yeah. the limited kind that you'd see with something like Hanna Barbera. Yeah, very ambitious, uh, very expensive
1: yeah. actually for the time mm-hmm. apparently. Um, but the actual and a lot of characters, time,
0: which which is difficult to pull off. Well, you know, in animation, you-, you need to come up with character sheets for everyone, well, especially when you
1: consider mm-hmm. that the characters that they come up with, and there are new designs for these characters all the time. There's isn't like the Smurfs where you can reuse the same mm. character animations over and over again because they all look like Smurfs or even people, mm. where you could just reuse shots of the same. You could reuse the same shot of Fred Flintstone in almost every episode of the Flintstones, and no one would ever fucking know. Right. They encounter new aliens, new creatures, all and new droids in almost if not every single episode. Yeah. And I was watching this with my wife and partner Michelle. And she had the absolute most incredible observation that I have never heard Mm. anyone say. Not that everyone talks about droids very often, but I've never heard anyone say this. All right. And we checked. And although, to the best of my knowledge, no one's ever given an interview and confirmed this, when you look at these two things side by side, Mm. holy shit, it's true. A lot of the incidental character designs of droids in particular, but also like spaceships Mm. and, and characters in droids were inspired by Hieronymus Bosch.
0: Yeah, uh, Michelle mentioned this before to yeah. me, before we started recording. And uh, I, I didn't see the Hernis Bosch. I did see the parallels between this and Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of character designs. But yeah, uh, a lot of the Bo- surrealist Bosch paintings. I think Heap definitely comes from mm-hmm. that, that sort of like hulking mon- yeah. monstrosity. Uh, specifically,
1: uh, uh, Bosch did this incredible uh, triptych uh, painting called The Tr- Garden Tr-tick. of Earthly Delights. Triptych. Is it triptych? Yeah. My, my, my apologies. I had never actually heard it spoken out loud. Right. Um, but it's this incredibly surrealist, kind of orgiastic mm. uh, uh, painting that is full of bizarre designs and creatures. And when you look, like you can, and you can find it online, and you can like zoom into it. Mm. Basically, oh, we don't know what this robot's supposed to look like. Okay, let's look at Garden of Earthly Delights. Uh, this looks like the back half of some sort of weird creature, and the stomach is kind of open, and you can see inside. Okay, let's make that a droid. And they did.
0: <laughs> it's full yeah. of it. It's um, weird. I, did, I didn't see that, but now now that Michelle has said that, yeah, she's, yeah. she's totally dead on. Um, the other thing that's really cool about it, the backgrounds are
1: gorgeous. The backgrounds look like Mobius did some of them, or at least that they're inspired by Mobius.
0: Yeah, there there was this weird resurgence of of science fiction in the nineteen eighties, thanks to Star Wars. But uh, yeah, there was if you look back to a lot of the sci fi of like the seventies and early eighties. It wasn't this sort of bold adventure story like Star Wars. A lot of it was more like, let's say, Dune. Very European. Or, yeah. Um, or, um, or
1: or look at or look at another thing that inspired Star Wars, uh, the comics the, Valerian.
0: The Valerian. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say the Valerian comics. Yeah, they had this really kind of really bizarre style. Mobius is an excellent example of this, um, where everything was really kind of stark and yeah, borderline. Uh, surrealism Yeah. Uh, where they're uh, look at the movie fantastic planet for instance oh yeah well, golly what an imaginative very film. weird um I, I think fantastic planet might be one of like the purest science fiction stories in that it's just at least in film totally divorced from any kind of recognizable reality other than the fact that the main alien characters look like humans but compared to the the main aliens they're itty bitty little teeny tiny I don't, know and, if, I
1: don't know if I'd say it's the only one, but that's mm, up there. Yeah, yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, well, like what they're doing doesn't have any kind of allusion to any kind of recognizable human reality. Yeah.
1: <sighs> It's an inversion where humans are pets for aliens, but beyond that, fun- if, fun- beyond that, fun- very different.
0: Functionally, yes, but like I, I'm glad that there's no sort of plot contrivance when it turns out. Oh, and here's the history of how humans came to be this way. Like that would I guess be my point is
1: this: in in America, like they really wanted sci-fi to be very representational or very or very much allude to pre-existing ideas mm-hmm. of colonial adventure yeah. or uh, narratives involving uh, class or. Uh, nuclear proliferation or just things that we could really latch on to. And there were a lot of sci-fi storytellers, many of them from Europe, but not exclusively, uh, who weren't limited to that. Mm. And as a result, much of their shit is weird. But if you yeah. can get into
0: it, it mm. is so much it is so freeing. To see the weird... Because you actually get some, weird. Uh, some imagination in this. And, yeah. my, you know, my complaint about Star Wars was it's not imaginative enough. This mm-hmm. is this giant expansive universe with all these robots and aliens and interesting other worlds. And we're still focusing on the same types of characters and the same types of conflicts over and over again.
1: Well, I think it's, it's because they think that the reason why Star Wars is successful is because they applied this patina of sci-fi mm-hmm. to familiar shit. Which is why, for example... You know, Disney made two Mm. prequels. You know, they made... Rogue Or interquels, I guess. Rogue One and Solo. Mm. They made two films outside of the quote-unquote Skywalker saga. These were films that suddenly had the freedom to do different shit. And what did they do? Uh, Heists. They just did Star Wars heists movies. They did two of them
0: which which all uh, alluded to stuff we knew anyway
1: yeah and was all mm. like got, getting a, characters or getting stuff that we already knew about In from point A to point for b a movie that we've yeah. all,
0: that we already knew that's
1: yeah. not the worst thing ever but it's weird that you had not one but mm. two opportunities to mm. do something new and you did the
0: same oh. basic movie twice. That's uh, so, weird. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not in love with droids. I don't love this show, but I do like it a lot. And I, I mm. think. I think. It, I think guess. it does feel kind of European, and I think that's yeah. why I like it. It
1: shouldn't be as overlooked as it is. I think mm. yeah. because it, 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 there's neat stuff here. Okay, so anyway, uh, R2D2 and C3PO get picked up uh, by these look, uh, racer their, punks.
0: Look up their names. Um, yeah, please do. Um, uh, they, their names are Jorad, Jor, excuse me, Jord Dusat and Thal Jobin.
1: Yeah. uh, they end up teaming up with a young woman with the really dumb haircut.
0: K.A. Maul. She, she's got, like, a taco in the middle of her pump. It looks yeah,
1: stupid. It looks, it looks like one of those dinosaurs with, like, the weird fins on their head. But she's a, <laughs> but she's a human. And you just want to just... I kept expecting her to take it off like it was a fascinator, like a hat.
0: Ah, I think nice. it's just
1: like, oh, like, like, um, like, like that scene in Dracula Dead and Loving It where Liam Neeson shows up and he's wearing that... Weird hairdo that Gary Oldman wears in that opening bit from Bram Stoker's Dracula with like mm. the giant, like bulbous hair at the back. Right. And L- Leslie Nielsen just shows up in that hairdo and then he just takes it off because that was a hat and he just right, puts right. it on a hat rack. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good joke. Um,
0: just the movie's funnier than it gets credit for.
1: I rewatched it. It's not that much funnier than it gets it's, credit for, but it, it's not It's not nearly as bad it's, as it's, it's
0: stodgy and stagy, but I kind of like that about it. There's really. good things about
1: it. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, but they also run afoul of a crime syndicate called, I think, the Fromm family. They're, like, uh, uh, family of gangsters, uh... Aliens with three nostrils, one at the tip of their nose and mm. two where they would normally be.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're kind of. They look kind of amphibian to me. Like, look, they're, they're human shaped, but yeah. they look amphibian. Well,
1: yeah, and what's weird about them, and this is. I, I'm willing. I'm, I assume this is just inconsistent, you know, 80s animation. Every episode you'll notice some animation flaw because of cutting corners or. Well,
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to do something this complex on a, a schedule. True. So, yeah. It, so, what it, happens it, it is, looks really cheap, and in order to sort of fill up a lot of the aural space, there's constant music, which is so annoying.
1: Yeah, the music isn't great. But uh, these gangsters, uh, like, in the first time we meet them, they have blue skin. The second mm. time they have green skin. And then after that, I think they have yellow skin. And I don't think that's intentional. It doesn't make any no. sense. Um, But it turns out that uh, something about those kids with the speeders have messed up uh, this. Okay, so basically mm. you, you've seen The Godfather. So Marlon Brando and The Godfather... It turned out he only had one son, and that son was Fredo. So that's that's who these evil gangsters are. It's they have it's 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 There's Marlon Brando, and, it's and the godfather, Fredo, and Robert Duval. Those are the only three people mm. in the family. And Robert Duval is constantly looking over Fredo, and Fredo's an idiot who keeps trying to like take over Havana. But oh, like, the wa- oh, like
0: openly, like defying yeah. his father. He's, he's Starscream.
1: Yeah. Well, in, in not, the- except Starscream is cleverer about it. But here's the thing about Tig. From the this young bad guy, mm. the Fredo of the family. Uh, or, as the Mar- or the Robert Duvall type character likes to call him, Tiggy. And I kept thinking, because that's such a familiar term, and because they have such this weird connection to each other, that they were lovers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Probably not intentional, but that's what got me through the series. Anyway, uh, Tiggy mm. has invented a giant, weaponized spaceship... Mm. Not as
0: big as a Death Star, like way smaller than a Death Star. I, like I think they they do compare it to a Death Star at well, some point, but this was of. before the Death Star was yeah like, was completed really anyway. Yeah. So
1: basically, he's created like a like a ship that's like probably like twice the size of the Millennium Falcon. It's big, but it's not ungodly mm. big. But it has like huge weapons on it, and he specifically says this thing has enough firepower to take, to take, dis- out, a pl- take th- out a planet, a whole says. planet. He. Is a better designer than the designer of the Death Star. And instead of taking his technological know-how and going to the Empire or striking out on his own or something, he is trapped in this horrible Greek tragedy where he is trying to prove himself as a gangster to his father (laughs) when clearly he is intended to be a scientist. And they got... I got real sad for him after a while because okay. it's just, he's just trapped. This is a, a world he is, never made.
0: Is, is is there any kind of I I, under, I saw Rogue One. I understand it it takes a lot of design to make a complicated machine which is literally the size of the moon but is is that its only function is just a housing for that weapon? Well, or it's also a space
1: station. Yeah, so, the space station is full of tons of shit. I mean, you there's saw that there was a there was a there was a gulag and oh. there was um, uh, there were um, um, like aircraft carrier elements where they could like send out gi- giant waves of yeah, tie so, fighters. So, so, there's,
0: there's think, think of so there's probably thousands and thousands. I think so much of it of is dedicated living
1: there. To, the weapon is probably stemming from about the core, mm. and it shoots out. So like big a big slice of it mm. is got to be dedicated to that weapon. Okay, but, but the rest if, of it,
0: there's tons if, of even space. If, even if we're talking about like a, a full quarter of the moon, three quarters of the moon, yeah, it's probably housing yeah, God knows what. Hundreds of thousands of hy- people at least, not based, millions. Yeah, schools, whole cities. That's yeah, I mean,
1: you know, what clerks talked about. Yeah. You know, there's people out there installing toilet mains and shit. There are jobs. Mm. people. Yeah, people probably did have their kids on there. Why not? There's space. How many people do you have in the empire? That you could so, destroy the, a fully functioning, and fully indeed, staffed Death Star and still have people left
0: over. They had a, like a little mini Death Star laser at the end of The Last Jedi, too. Like that, that big cannon thing that they gamed at the, the Rebels cave.
1: Oh, that wasn't they, a mini Death Star. That was like a gi- mentioned.
0: They mentioned this is like a Death Star laser. like it kind it something of, but that effect, you know?
1: Kind of, but like a s- much, much smaller version of it. Oh, okay. That's not the same thing. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I was about to say, that, that big gigantic laser, surely they didn't need that whole machine just to operate the planet-killing I,
1: I I hate the way that's done. Not that Star Wars keeps repeating the Death Star, because I understand wanting to have a Death Star.
0: It is annoying that they keep repeating the Death Star. It's, it's annoying yeah. they keep
1: repeating the Death Star, but it's weird to me that the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker mm. was creating a whole fleet of Star Destroyers, these giant, like, you know, more battleship types, not the size of a moon, that each have a Death Star cannon mounted on them. And each one can destroy a planet. Yeah. yeah. As though every war is about improving on the A-bomb. And I feel like ever since we had the A-bomb, we're like, we're hmm. good. Like, everything else is, like, we haven't, like, tried to make bigger A-bombs since we got the A-bomb. We've got that. Uh-huh. What we have now is more efficient weapons Or smaller weapons Or targeted weapons Like that actually makes more sense Than trying to build better Death Stars all the time One <laughs> Death Star was Fine. <laughs> Not if you want to destroy a lot of planets all over the galaxy at I suppose. Put a vent over that exhaust port, and you're good. <laughs> like that's it. That's all there is. It's real simple. <laughs> make it harder to get to that one part. Mm. And we're, the, the exhaust port was a couple of meters wide. For fuck's sake. Anyway. Anyway, I digress. T-
0: tig. Tig From. <laughs> the tragedy of Tig From is that he's a brilliant engineer who's yeah. able to streamline. Death Star technology mm-hmm. into something pretty small and portable. He's essentially invented as a suitcase A-bomb. Yeah. Really that, impressive, and, actually. Yeah, which is an impressive engineering feat. The problem is he's not smart enough to use his know-how for something other than a weapon. That's the tragedy yeah, of this That's the tragedy. From. That's the tragedy of When, when all you have is a hammer, you see every problem is a nail.
1: So there's like three episodes where the droids and our heroes are... Basically, just running into these assholes over and over again.
0: The hero, the first masters, are really boring, and I'm and I was so glad when I've learned that they were going to be abandoned.
1: Yeah, Um, the last bit of this whole sequence is actually the most interesting because it gets back to the whole speeder race, Mm. and Boba Fett shows up, and there's a whole sequence, and boy, is this stupid, where because it's it's the same trope we've seen in every sitcom, and also weirdly enough. Every uh, undercover gangster movie
2: Hmm.
1: where you have people who are close friends and then a new guy comes along and one of the close friends is like, ah, finally, everything I always wanted in a friend. Nothing suspicious about this. I'm going to trust you forever, Donnie Brasco. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, "Eh, why does this always happen? This is so contrived. Um, So... C-3PO meets a new protocol droid who is everything R2-D2 isn't, and he loves it. And he just pays fealty to this guy. And what he doesn't realize is that this protocol droid is working for Boba Fett. He should have realized he's working for Boba Fett because his protocol droid's chest plate looks like Boba Fett's helmet.
0: Oh well, It's hilarious. It, that, but, that could be a really common design in Star
1: Wars. We it, don't know. It's hilarious. The other mm. funny thing we learned in this episode... Is that not only is there TV in Star Wars, but R2-D2 has a favorite show. R2-D2's favorite show, we see for about five seconds, it is two R2 units hiding behind rocks, wearing cowboy hats... Throwing smaller rocks at each other. I love it. I love it. Well, that raises a lot of questions. Well, we
0: knew there was, we already knew there was TV in Star Wars because of the holiday special, and they, they tuned it uh, and they watched like cooking shows you're and they, had, right about they also that. had like Cirque du Soleil shows. So there was like. And the implication television. is that they had entertainment. I yeah, mean, you
1: know, I mean, there's there's musicians and shit. Why wouldn't there be TV? Why wouldn't there mm. be plays? There'd be all kinds of shit. Mm. They just don't really deal with it very well. Oh,
0: there was that weird like. Water, like mermaid opera in episode three. Oh, yeah, yeah. They went yeah. to see like
1: this live, like opera, like it was, it, 3D show, which yeah.
0: also looked like Cirque du Soleil. But yeah, yeah. it was cool, it's a good point. I actually mm. forgot about that. Um, but so, um, so, yeah, that there's a TV show about our two units yeah. shooting at each other's
1: in cowboy yeah. hats raises questions, though. <laughs> that part's weird, you got to like, admit.
0: Look, they that have, part's weird. They have like British names, like Luke. I mean. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Surely they have cowboy hats. Surely there's there's Earth stuff in this galaxy. Uh, but they're going
1: to uh, com- uh, compete in the Bunta race. And uh, through a series of very contrived machinations...
0: <laughs> including a thermal detonator that yeah. gets stuck to... It basically C-G-P-O's turns into a speed stomach. racer episode. Yeah,
1: yeah. But Boba Fett yeah. enters the race too. And he's trying to chase them and kill them. Mm. While Tig Fromm is trying to chase them and kill them and they blow up their ship. And he ends up blowing up Boba Fett's ship. And then finally... Tig Fromm doesn't... And and, uh, Tig Fromm's father and the Robert Duvall character, Mm. they get their comeuppance... Not by, like, pissing off the law, not from getting killed, but because they annoyed Boba Fett so much. When they hired Boba Fett! Uh-huh, uh-huh. But they annoyed Boba Fett so much, he was just like, you guys are too much of a pain in the ass. I'm taking you into Jabba the Hut. There's a bounty on you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's such
0: a great, it's great Well, It's 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 great because, you know what? You know why I like it? Because mm. the the heroes are so ineffectual. Yeah. And they're not yet sort of caving into the usual, oh, and they're part of the rebellion nonsense, although they do do that.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. The heroes don't get to be heroes... And the bad guys come about their ends their own way, and it be- it feels really like clever now. It's, mm-hmm. it's less contrived. I love that C three PO and R two D two they play sort of key roles in a lot of these stories, but they're essentially the supporting players. Yeah, they're, they're
1: force gumping their way through this thing.
0: They're, yeah, they're they are. Um, they're always there. They're Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Oh, in fact, wasn't there? You showed me a comic once. Oh yeah, about, Tag and Bink are dead. Tag and Bink are dead. It was the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, but Star Wars characters. Yeah, basically, there these-, these two characters that were like in every scene in Star Wars in the but you never this, noticed it. This weird story arc that would put them in all of these, these it's locations. It's a
1: brilliant comic book. I th- it might be out of print, but it's worth mm. tracking down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you see them. They were on the ship in the first scene of Star Wars. And then, uh, in order to escape, they, like, dressed as stormtroopers. So they were on the Death Star the whole time. Mm. And then uh, they were with... Uh, so, you know, in uh, Return of the Jedi, when Mon Mothma says, Manny Bothans died to bring us this information. Well, they knew Manny. Manny, both hands. That was one guy. (laughs) And he was like, and he was. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's funny! It's really funny. It's It's really, and they even
1: found a way to get them into the prequels too. Like when they were little kids, it turns out that they were um, younglings with the Jedi, mm. and they were the ones who were responsible for erasing that planet from the archives. And they were, and they were so like, oh no, we fucked up. So they, so they hid on Anakin's like transport, and Anakin Mm. found them there, and he was like, I'm going to turn you kids in. It's like, no, 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 you're going to turn us in. I'll tell you Mm. why. You like that girl, don't you? Hmm. We'll feed you lines. So they're the ones who give him those shitty lines. But it's like, oh, tell her you God. don't like sand.
0: <laughs> See, that's that's kind of clever. It's
1: really, really funny. Uh, and there, there's a there's an allusion to two characters in the movie Solo possibly being Tag and Bank. Oh, okay. Which I think is really fun.
0: You know Lord Miller picked up on oh, that. Oh, right, sure yeah, I'm sure they did. I,
1: think, I um, think they're the two guys who are guarding Chewbacca like at the beginning when Chewbacca's
0: like a prisoner of the Empire. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's them, but I don't he's recall. He's living in that, like, yeah. that mud pit. Yeah, That's um, the
1: implication, yeah.
0: But yeah, I, I, I appreciate that our, our main characters are supporting characters, because mm-hmm. like, I think that's a good way to have them have adventures without necessarily having to redefine... The importance of the characters or what they're doing to the Star Wars universe at large with every episode. And I think that's something that maybe
1: was a hard sell for kids because a lot of kids entertainment was about sort of aspirational hero shit. Like, I'm He-Man, I've got giant muscles, I can do whatever I yeah. want. And having a kids animated series about tagalong characters mm. where the sidekicks are the leads might have been a little too meta for the room. But um, it is interesting to watch now. This storyline actually ends really tragically. Like, I felt something. Mm. Like, I'm sort of regarding this and sort of interested in the designs. And there's stuff I like and there's stuff I don't like. But probably the only time I really felt something <laughs> in this series was at the end of this story arc. When these boring-ass human characters... Um, they are offered a job...
0: At, as, as, a, as a, at the racing corp.
1: Yeah, they're they're offered... They're, they're, their racer was so well-designed, they're offered a job... Designing racers For this giant corporation It's a really great opportunity And they say They'll think about it And then they get back To the ship with everybody And then it turns out That like Yeah I guess like For proprietary reasons You're not allowed To have droids If you work for them Because I I would imagine Because they could like Steal shit And put them in the
0: droids uh, Corporate espionage Also you know If if you're going to Bring a droid on Mm-hmm. It's like you can't you can't bring your own tools into a new job, you know. Yeah, like you have to use the corporate approved job. So, yeah. so you can you can bring your droids, but you have they have to be programmed with like racing memories. And yeah, that they kind of mind-right. information.
1: And they like R two D two and C three P o so much that they don't even really think about it. Like they're mm-hmm. tempted, but they're just like, no, we're not going to get rid of R two D two and C three P o. They're too important to us. We love them. And C three P o and R two D two decide. Yeah. They decide to run away so that they can pursue their dreams. Mm-hmm. And they're just... The last shot of this episode is them floating in a tiny canister, like, smaller even than what they're in at the uh, when they escape uh, Captain Antilly's uh, ship mm. uh, in Star Wars. They're just in this tiny little tube, and they're just floating in the, in the nether reaches of space, yep. like Bender in that one episode of Futurama. <laughs> 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 and it's so sad! And a part of me was just like, is this the last episode? Because this is fucked up. But mm. it turns out, then some stuff happened, yeah, yeah. and now they're on a mining planet. <laughs>
0: They're on a mining planet. Um, there's a, a dangerous uh, ore that is used in uh, photon torpedoes,
1: um, which, by the way, is a Star Trek thing, not a not a Star Wars thing.
0: I know they say photon torpedoes. They all do. The time, it's weird. They? Or, I'm just saying it's weird. I'm sorry. They say proton torpedoes. I thought they say photon. In the show, they say proton. Oh, okay, torpedoes, maybe. Okay. And, well, then, fair enough. So they, they're mining for proton torpedoes, not photon torpedoes. Okay. Uh, yeah, and. Um, they, uh, dis- they and their new master, who is named Jad Thick Brick Large uh, Jantosh,
1: mm, um, another to- generic dude, yeah, d- like a really g- boring g- generic dude, Who's, um, whose uncle is an old timey prospector who, when he gets mad, jumps <laughs> on his hat.
0: <laughs> ah, you would <what>? damn it! <laughs> Gold earned smoochers on my property. <laughs> He's that guy. Uh, yeah, he's, he's that uh, guy. But uh, they, um, they actually find a missing alien prince who's disguised himself as an android. Okay,
1: and it's really contrived. So what happens is uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO have been placed by the agency uh, at this diner. They mess everything up right away, first day on the job, and they are immediately sold into droid slavery. Mm. There's a droid Completely. slavery auction, uh-huh. just like anything you've seen out of any movie about slavery. It's just as horrifying and tragic. Mm. Okay. And but it's okay because they're just robots. It's not okay <laughs> they're <laughs> because just, they're characters. They're, they're people. They're just robots. They're not just robots. This is the fallacy. The, but anyway, those, this is what those, they those want things, you to think. Those are like, they're because like because they toasters don't, to people. This is what they don't. This is what they want you to think because it's okay to dehumanize mm.
0: these characters but not these other characters. Yeah, how, how, how else are we going to get dehumanization into these stories? Right? It's fucked up. We keep
1: talking <laughs> about it on our Firefly podcast about how you put all this weird confederacy shit in there and it's mm. distracting. We need to talk about how Star Wars handles this horrible chapter in mm. human history. Um, but uh, the droids are purchased, mm. but they also uh, uh, get themselves traded uh-huh. to... Uh, this guy, and, and as well as this old android, mm-hmm. who it turns out is actually an alien disguised as a droid, and the alien has had his memory erased, and the alien has a bounty on his head, and there's a couple of bounty hunters who are after him, one of whom is the droid we see in the bounty hunter scene in Empire Strikes Back, IG-88.
0: I, I have no memory of this, car- this
1: character. It's when uh, uh, Darth Vader is, you know, basically saying all the bounty hunters look out for the Millennium Falcon, mm. and Boba Fett is there. But there's like a line of other yeah, guys. This- He's one of those guys. Oh, all of those guys have names. All of those guys had like side adventures in books and shit. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um. One of them is IG88, who is like this oh. rogue droid who loves to kill. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah.
0: Maybe not have one of those. I don't know. Well, <laughs> Maybe think, not build that. I
1: think his origin is that he was like a programming error or something, but I didn't do a lot oh, of research. He's, he's
0: that. like Chucky. Yeah. In fact, I don't remember. In the new Child's Play. Uh,
1: either IG-88 or another bounty hunter like IG-88 shows up in the first episode of The Mandalorian.
0: I don't recall hmm. if it was exactly IG-88 or not but a similar robot a similar robot uh, yeah
1: another another bounty hunter droid of, of similar but make.
0: it it has a head like a thermos right yeah yeah
1: okay yeah um anyway, so a bunch of bounty hunters are after this this stolen prince uh our mining guy hero mm-hmm. and the droids rescue him a couple of times Jan, Jan tosh is and his uh name. they they go to his home planet and they overthrow. Uh, The evil vizier Which I'm like, is there ever been a good vizier? (laughs) Why do we have viziers If every time they overthrow the empire? Like, why do we do this? Um, And uh, so that guy gets the throne He's really fucking boring, honestly Um, And uh, they also run afoul In the sequence of Kaibo Ren Who is a space pirate Mm. And he looks like the the main bad guy uh, From uh, Bucky O'Hare Except he's not a toad He's a dude with a mustache
0: a little bit, you know. Yeah. I've seen that character design in, like, so oh, yeah. many different cartoons. Just this, this, know, this pudgy,
1: stubby the, the, villain The guy dude. played
0: by Jim Cummings. Yeah. Like, always, the guy, he's always voiced by Jim Cummings, the, yeah. the voice actor. He's not voiced by Jim Cummings here. It's all Canadian film actors. In fact, they say "boot" a lot. Yeah. Um, Kaibo Ren is not that interesting a character. No,
1: they devote like, way too much time for him, and I watched this whole series in the last two days, and I remember almost nothing about him.
0: It just he, he's brash and has a big ego. He, he doesn't says really think, like, like, I, Kaibo Ren, um,
1: will blankety blank. And hmm, yeah. I'm a true myself. I am Kaibo It's like. So th- you are. So
0: you got. And then he wants the, 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 the ore because it's very, very valuable. And mm-hmm. they're also after. Um, the royal scepter. That's a, a plot point in this yeah. as well.
1: You can't be crowned mm-hmm. the king of these people mm-hmm. unless you present the royal scepter on this you know, pyramid or spire or whatever mm-hmm. on the date of the equinox. Which, really, you could overthrow the vizier's whole plans just by Not keeping yet. the scepter away and then just waiting a year and coming back. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, there'll be an interim government in the middle, but you mm-hmm. gotta have some infrastructure, right? I mean... Anyway, uh, so, they, so they've so saved the day. And then there's one filler episode right afterwards where um, the droids are basically uh, given to... Oh, gosh, to, the kid. Oh, the worst fucking kid. It's, and he's wearing he's a like, MAGA hat,
0: too. Have you noticed yeah, that? It's, it's he's, like, wearing, he's like short round. Yeah, he's... he's um, terrible. He's kidnapped he's, and they have to rescue him. No, no, him. what happens is
1: he's going to the Space Academy. Mm. And the droids are supposed to come with him. And he is a bratty... Asshole who yeah. is mean to everybody, he throws his wealth around, and his one thing that he actually gives a shit about is this like rare space cat he has. But they stumble across, like, at the, sh- the docks where they're about to ship out to space camp it's, or whatever it the fuck it's like, is.
0: Imperial School or something, yeah.
1: Um, although I don't think it's for the Empire actually, yeah. but um, uh, they stumble across. Hmm. Uh, these, no, it
0: is, it's the Imperial Space Academy I just Okay, so he's going to actually join the Empire he's, gonna, he's, <laughs> he's running off to join the Empire
1: That was actually, I don't know how true this is anymore But I remember uh, uh, when Luke was saying He wanted to go off and join the Academy mm. uh, The Academy was for the Empire And he didn't know, like it wasn't like well known well, That it was going to be inducted him into fascism and,
0: Or maybe he did know, and just that's the government They you didn't know. know how
1: bad they were yet Okay, well maybe, I don't know uh, But in any case, they run afoul of uh, These like Evil Base zoologists who steal th- rare animals th- and th- put th- on, like, big oh, carnival right. shows yeah. with them. And they take them to basically the Ewok planet, but not really. And they're just, like, they keep all their animals in, like, rock cages. And I'm like, you have a giant arc of a spaceship. Keep them there. Like, you're already evil. Like, you're not really concerned about their needs. Just keep them in there. Mm. And uh, the droids and the kid save the animals, and they team up with these little bird versions of the Ewoks, which are actually more interestingly designed than the Ewoks. Um, And at the end of it, it's weird, because... Uh, they, they all go their separate ways, and you can't have droids in the Space Academy, I guess, it turns out, after all. And uh, they go to this guy who's going to take care of all these animals and return them back to their real habitats. And he's like, well, I'm going to need some uh, loyal and uh, trustworthy help. And I'm like, oh, okay, the droids are going to work with that guy now. And then uh, the guy asks, so, little Jimmy, do you want to join me? And I'm like, the dude's a little fucking bratty 12-year-old. You've got two droids who actually need someone to take
0: care of them. What do you call him, little Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't remember what his fucking name she is. It was
0: Kobe. Yeah, um, yeah, Co- Kobe. Uh, I, I've always hated the episodes, and and they always pulled these out in all of my favorite cartoon shows mm. where there's like one spoiled rich brat, uh. plus, and then of course I was like, by the end they learn a lesson, and they're like, oh, perhaps less bratty right, by the end, that's but good. But having to suffer through their arrogance and watching the heroes suffer was never fun. to Well, me. I
1: hate because uh. they like they treat that as though it's entertaining.
0: Yeah, it's, not it's that supposed it's, to be funny to a, a yeah. viewer. It's like, not funny. We're kids. The
1: odds are exceptionally good that your kids are one of two people. Either those bratty kids, mm-hmm. which hopefully it's mm-hmm. a very small part of the population, or kids who hate those kids because those kids are mean to us. Mm-hmm. I'm You're not really pulling me into your storyline if it's all about how the rich bratty kids are the most interesting character in the world. Mm-hmm. Which is why Tiny Toons was great, because that was the villain! Montana <laughs> Max
0: is the bratty kid villain, and he was always the villain. Do you realize it took me many, many years to realize that Montana Max was a play on Yosemite Sam? Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't put that together at all. Yeah, he
1: was the young Yosemite Sam. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and also that Elmira and we, Elmer were the same. Yeah, they have the same nose. They have the same nose, they have the same face. They are both interested in animals. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I, like, that never some, occurred to you. For some
0: reason, I didn't put that together. <laughs> <laughs> All the other characters that I've analyzed, like, oh, funny, but there's no Yosemite Sam, but it's Montana Max. Yeah. Because I'm dumb. <laughs> You're not dumb. Just, <laughs> it's just Because here's the deal.
1: Like, it, Babs and Buster Bunny got to interact with Bugs a lot. Mm-hmm. Montana Max was never, like, taking classes from Yosemite Sam. Like, there was never, like, I mean, maybe he was in there, but, like, there was never, like, a mentor project.
0: Everybody was taking a class from Yosemite Sam. He
1: was just one of the teachers. I know, but, like, there was never, like, a specific mentor aspect. Like, you never saw Elmira, like, in Elmer Fudd's office hours.
0: The (laughs) torturing animals class or whatever it was. Yeah, there's poor, um. She always had way more agency than Elmer Fudd, anyway. What was the name of the, uh, of that poor cat? Furball. Furball. Yeah, there
1: was just like Furball in there with Elmira and Elmer. And they're like, oh no, Furball, get a minute. <laughs> um, so, the, so the droids are left <laughs> without anyone to take care of them. So apparently they went back to the uh, Intergalactic Ooh. Droid Agency and they're placed with Mungo Baobab. Do we cover... The well, interims like movie first because it's in chronological order. Chron- or do We save that for now. Chronolo-
0: no, let's do the movie first because okay. the movie. Yeah, uh, the the way I saw it, it yeah. was it was lined up this way because so chronologically, that's me, where yeah. it takes place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they go to a mining planet with Mungle Baobab, and this is an hour long special, so it's paced a little bit differently, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciate. It's like actually take time for like details and story beats a little bit more. Sure. And they. Uh, it's called the Great Heap. The, yeah, they run run aground on this gigantic android or droid or whatever droid. it is. It's it's essentially a living mining operation unto itself.
1: It looks like the giant head from Zardoz mm-hmm. if it also had a giant body.
0: Yeah, 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 and and yeah, it's got this big angry face. It's. It's actually a really cool design because it's kind of scary.
1: No, it's very threatening. Very yeah. big heaping voice, and, and,
0: yeah. and uh, there's something inside our R two D two robots yeah. that it it needs to keep its f- its like interior boiler going.
1: Okay, here's let me let me let me set the stage for you here because I want you to be introduced to this concept the way we were. There's a guy named Mungo Baobab, and he is. Everyone fucking loves this guy. He and
0: looked, he actually, you mentioned Zardoz. He looks a little bit like uh, a. Sean Connery I would argue he looks
1: a, I would argue he looks a little bit more like James Brolin but yeah fair enough <laughs> okay he's older like he's closer. the only one he's like not like a teenage boy who're mm. like who, like owns the droids in this series he's clearly in his 40s at least he's older got a thicker voice mm. um and uh yeah and he is on this planet and he's in charge of mining stuff like that's his trade mm. um and he is one with the people and all the people from this planet love him even though they're not of his species uh, and then the Great Heap arrives and kidnaps everybody and sucks all the moisture out of the air so it can use the water for its mining operations so we can get all this mining mm. shit out of the planet. The, my, the Great Heap kidnaps droids. It takes all the bipedal droids and uses them for hard labor, like lugging things in and out of the mines. Mm. The R2 unit, on the other hand, is brought into a giant mountain. It's actually kind of funny. I'm sure this is a coincidence. The bit where R2 wakes up in the mountain and then tries to run away and then, like, runs out the door but then almost falls out the mountain is, like, mm. exactly like the opening of Mad Max Fury Road.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that's a coincidence, <laughs> no, but it's really funny. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff like that. I'm I sure it, it is. It just it struck me as funny. Well, Indiana Jones did that once where he, like, runs out and there's, like, a doorway just leading out to a right. chasm. You know. But
1: uh, R2-D2 was brought back into the mountain where it turns out there's an R2-D2 harem. And they use the word harem a lot in this kids' show. It's a bunch of R2s. Mm. There is a bar where an R2 unit is, like, serving out drinks
0: to the R2s. Uh, There is a swimming pool full of oil. Where, where they, and there's there's even a scene of two R2s. R2 D2 gets to like kiss another R2 unit. Like, there is a female. Their little, their little trash lids open up and they kind of like the yeah. tongue kiss a little there's bit.
1: There's a female coded R2 unit called, was it? Hold on. It actually has a name uh, KT10. Letter K-, K-, K, letter T, KT. Katie 10. Katie 10. 10. Yeah, Katie 10.
0: Because she's a 10.
1: And, and, and <laughs> Katie 10, she has like, you know those little like feet that R2 D2 has? Hers are high heeled. She's pink. Mm. She, like, shows off her ankles when she, like, dips her mm. little robot feet in the water.
0: And they go swimming. And all
1: the other together, R2s yeah. are, like, I think one R2 is actually, like, reading Playdroid. Like, it's weird. It
0: also raises so, the well, question, it's, it's, why is... something something everybody has always known. Know. R2-D2 Fox. Ah, uh, R2-D... <laughs> I'm sorry. This is where you lose me. Mm. I
1: was always under the impression... Hmm. that R2D2 and C3PO were lovers. <laughs> I was always under All the right. impression that they had their their closeness was at least passively romantic. Okay. And this felt like a betrayal. Like, C-3PO is missing, Look, you asshole, okay.
0: can, can and you're just going after the first female robot we've ever seen in I, Star Wars. He, here's what. Here's my theory. R2-D2 is clearly, like, an omnisexual hedonist. He's into all kinds <laughs> of weird shit, all right? So, you know, he has an he has uh, opportunity to, geez, to, geez. to bone this other droid. He's going to do it. He's also into incest, because a lot of people have pointed out that at the end of, uh, uh episode three, uh-huh. they wipe uh, C-3PO's brain, but not R2-D2's. They yeah. say, so R2-D2 was present when Luke and Leia were born. And he was also present later on oh, when this. they were kind of leaning in and kissing. Yeah,
1: he really could have in, said in, something. In, in
0: the Empire Strikes Back no, and he, he just sort of watches. He could have said something. Yeah. He probably
1: also should have mentioned at some point that Darth Vader made C-3PO. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why that would be relevant, but it's weird that he never found a moment. And all the years that they were together, like, did you know that you were made by Darth Vader?
0: Also, what? he doesn't care. He's just looking for stuff to fix. He's a he's a robot. <laughs>
1: there was some. I might have been tag and bank, but there was some Star Wars comic I read once where, um, they were showing like a lot of the events we'd seen from the movies, hmm. and they're all just like, "Oh, shoot them! They're getting the Millennium Falcon!" And Darth Vader like puts his hand and sort are like, "Wait!" And he recognizes three PO. He's like, "Let him go." <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but he's got a, was, he's uh, got a little. He's got even if it's not his. He's got an affection for that model. <laughs> can't quite bring myself to kill three pi. They're 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 pretty that, look, cool.
0: It's just it's just a protocol. Reminds Let me of go. my
1: mom. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway. So, but the thing is, is that the reason why R 2s are kept placated in this harem mm. is because the great heap. Eats R2 units to survive. Mm. He puts them into this hole in his mouth that is R2 shaped and sucks the life out of them and then chucks them out of his mouth and they're all like discolored and dead mm. and they can't be recharged. And everyone's like, oh no. But remember in um uh Rise of the Skywalker when they make a big deal about how 3PO is gonna get his memory erased, and he's like, I'm just taking one last look, sir. Mm. At my friends mm. And then you and then realize that business. his whole memory is backed up And it meant absolutely fucking nothing Well, when Katie 10 gets eaten by the Great Heap It turns out that one they can bring back For reasons
0: uh, I mean, clearly Okay, never mind yeah, and, then she's, just- and she's gone, by the way She God.
1: fucks right off A Totally ungrateful <laughs> to r 2 for saving her life <laughs> They kissed,
0: he saved her life And she couldn't even, like, call him later William... It, it, it's trash can. It's just a little, <laughs> it's a little cylinder. It's a little phallic shaped thing that slides around. I'm supposed to care. Uh, and I do. Okay. define. Defi- okay. D- do a little intellectual exercise. Okay. Define R2D2 as a character. What quality does qualities does it possess? As he is. A character? Okay. He's,
1: he's a maverick renegade. Okay. <laughs> okay. He, he goes above and beyond mm-hmm. what is considered, what is expected of him because he cares about doing the right thing. He is loyal. He is friendly. Mm -hmm. He has a sense of responsibility. All right. Okay. He is fucking awesome. Okay. He's the ultimate boyfriend. Why do
0: you think C3PO sticks around him? He doesn't even like him all that much all the time. It's it's funny that you say that because I'm thinking back to the Mad Magazine parodies of Star Wars, and and they constantly made reference to to R2D2's vibrator setting. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think? That, that's why Princess Leia was keeping him around.
1: Anyway, they save Mungo Baobab and they fight the Great Heap and they rescue everything and everything's fine. We also meet... Is it Admiral Screed? I think it's so, Screed in this
0: one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. there's,
1: a, there's actually... A, we, we finally get around to the Empire being not just referenced, hmm. but being an important part of the story because there's this Admiral who is working with the Great Heap uh, to mine all this shit for the Empire. Hmm. And then... After the Great Heap storyline is over, this evil bad guy sticks around and actually is the main bad guy for the rest of the series because Mungo Baobab has a new storyline where he is looking for rune stones, mm. runestones, but not R-U-N-E, R-O-O-N. And they are incredibly valuable, basically diamonds. Very rare. Really... They're not it, like, it's, they don't seem to is... have a function like uh, the proton shit. Like in the the previous storyline, this is just ooh shiny.
0: Yeah, they're they're. they're, I mean, it's it's a MacGuffin. It's a fine MacGuffin.
1: Yeah. Well, he works for a mining company. It's fine. So there's a a lot
0: of mining in Star Wars. Well. It's frontiery, I, yeah, you know. Yeah, front, frontier And I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, the bit. I liked the. Gra- I, to go back a little bit, I oh, was talking a little bit more about the Great Heat. Oh, I'm Just, sorry that of, we just, it just I love the design of it. I love how scary it was. Mm-hmm. And it. sense of scale. Yeah, a sense of scale. And this idea that uh, we've essentially created this monster that does nothing but consume a planet. It's a good monster idea, right? No, it's I it's, hate it's, like, it's like threatening. This, it's like the smog monster, or, you know. Uh, <laughs> From uh, uh, Godzilla vs. etc.
1: I, I don't know if that'd be the best option I'd pick. But the point is, it's, it's <laughs>
0: like this being of pure pollution, and, yeah. and it's it actually has a lot more uh, connection to I think the a recognizable world at large, like actual pollution, than anything else in Star Wars. I mean, yeah, okay. Darth Vader's a bad guy, he wants to cut your head off with a sword, but the, the Darth, thing, Vader's,
1: it, Darth Vader's Darth Vader is a black knight, Darth Vader mm-hmm. is a samurai, Darth Vader's got a lot of real-world similarities. S- he's similarities, an evil priest, but, but like, a,
0: a, a character like that I think is a little too intimate. Mm-hmm. Something like the the great heap is feels more like a force of nature. To yeah, think. he's like Galactus. That's yeah, how, yeah.
1: that's I mean the smaller scale version, mm-hmm. but still.
0: Yeah. And I don't think we've had anything like that in Star Wars before. Like, this gigantic, like, there's the Death Star, but, you know. No, that's, but
1: that's, like, a lie. Yeah, like,
0: this big living monster. I, I, I remember feeling that for a split what second when...
1: M- oh, when we saw Snoke? Uh, Snoke,
0: yeah. the, the, in the Force Mac- Awakens? It's like, oh, and he's a giant, but it turns out he was just a regular size like, guy. Why would you have hologram. that setting
1: on your hologram phone? Like, why would you do that? Why, why not just have the character be a giant? That yeah, would have been the, great. The, the, I, I thought it was awesome for a second. I was like, oh, my God that's a really cool villain. I'm already sold. <laughs> and then it turns out it was just, you know, it's A, it's just a hologram, but he still could have been that big. Yeah. And then we meet him and he's just kind of tall. And I'm like, it's
0: just no. A, it's just a regular Make guy. him fucking huge. Make Why a, not? What do you got the, to lose? This is a weird galaxy. There could be a 50-foot dude. Why the fuck
1: not? <laughs> it really raises the question of, like, it, it, it reminds us, yeah. Star Wars is holding itself back sometimes. Yeah. And they'll have yeah. giant monsters. they have those giant sea monsters mm. and Phantom Menace and shit. What about giant people? Go
0: nuts! Go... Why are you holding back? Make him fucking huge! Why not? Weird. Like, we're gonna fight this ground war. Yeah, well, we got one guy. If the (laughs)
1: great king was actually, like, in, Hmm. like, Solo, if, like, he was a character, like, Jabba the Hutt or whatever... yeah fucking
0: cool! Yeah, we would have yeah, yeah. that! It's, it's a really cool idea. It's yeah. a really cool thing to have in Star Wars. I like, I like the design of the, the thing. I kind of wish Solo had been more about the droids, because A, we get
1: L3, who's this heroic mm. rebel fighter droid who's fighting for droid rights, mm. and you could have actually dealt with not all droids are on the right side of this thing. Here's a droid who is actually oppressing other droids, killing, killing other eat, droids, eating, feeding on them. Yeah, he's part. He's become part of
0: the system of oppression. There's a story you could tell there. Yeah, that could have this, been this weird industrial cog that's gained sentience and is now just eating planets. Yeah, it's crazy. Um,
1: so, yeah, there's there's good stuff in the Great Heap, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, and then the last several episodes are about the hunt for these runestones. They go into an uncharted area of the galaxies because the runestones are so rare. They only come With from the, one planet. The Cloak of the Sith. Yep, they got to go through the Cloak of the Sith to get there. And in order to get through the Cloak of the Sith, and this actually is, weirdly enough, kind of like that bit in Rise of Skywalker, where in order to get to Exegol, they have to go through this weird cloud and there's only one safe route. Mm-hmm. There's only one safe route through the Cloak of the Sith, when Exegol is the planet of the Sith, by the way, Mm -hmm. and you have to follow a comet whose tail is basically a rainbow. And my wife and I had a great time watching this scene, because every time we saw that rainbow, we were just at, the more you know... (laughs) Okay, let's... Thank you, Luca, for knocking all that over. (laughs) Luca's
0: knocking over
1: the more books. Okay, we gotta follow the the comet. The more you know... Bake hard right! The The more more you (laughs) know... (laughs) That's a reference to people who were around in the 90s. Um... And, uh, yeah, so they go to this planet, and the planet is actually run uh, by, okay, so if the Empire mm-hmm. is specifically, like, designed around the aesthetic of Nazis, mm-hmm. the evil bad guys who are trying to control the planet Rune are specifically designed after fascist Italians in World War II, like that's okay, the overall okay. look. Like yeah, that's I was, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, I see yeah. Yeah, okay. and
1: I I, 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 get it. I don't think it really works. Like they're not very interesting villains, but the idea is there's this other fascist regime on this one planet hmm. that is trying to strike a bargain with the empire, and it's like we, you, we, we will combine our forces. We'll be part of the winning team, and in exchange, we'll give you these rune stones. Problem is, we don't actually have a lot of them. We're kind of making false promises here. And so basically it's a race to see whether Mungo Baobab or this evil guy whose name I completely forget. Uh, oh, uh, not General. Um, uh, um, Commodore. General Kung. Yeah, K-O-O-N-G. General Kung is his which, name. Which uh, is, yeah. is a really rough name, and we're not going to mm. repeat that a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically they, have, they run into this guy a bunch. And they fight this guy a bunch, and he's this guy has like an evil sidekick who looks a lot like Zorak from Space Ghost. And,
0: and, and sounds like a little bit like a, a, a golem. Yeah, a little bit. I'm, like go, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's that, that sort of closed throat He's speaker.
1: got these barbs on his arm that are poison, and if mm. he sticks you with them, okay. uh, you, you, you like, fall stun, asleep. Stun them, yeah. yeah. But there's this one bit at the end where he sticks his own leg and he falls asleep, and I'm like, you're not immune to your own poison? Well, maybe, How do you make that shit?
0: Maybe it's like... Maybe you built it. Maybe it's a... It's in his arm. Well, yeah, it doesn't work.
1: Right, um, but they, they fight this guy a lot. They team up uh, with uh, someone. They compete in more Olympics... And the R2, there, there's, D2, there's and C-3PO a, have to a, it's, compete in, it's like, like, a... horse
0: race. It's like yeah. a, some sort of animal race. It's a race, relay race yeah.
1: with, like, bipedal horses with, mm. like, fang mouths. It's actually a neat design. Mm. Um, and, but yeah, yeah they, basically... They
0: actually have to literally pass a baton.
1: Basically, once again, uh, R2, D2, and C-3PO help some people win a racing competition while bad guys are trying to sabotage it. It's literally the same plot point.
0: Uh, it's fun. literally fun. the same it's plot fine. point. It's fine. It's fine. The last episode, did you notice who wrote it? Yeah, Joe Johnson. No, uh, no, I'm sorry, the last episode. Last episode was uh, written by Paul Dini.
1: Yeah, the great Paul Dini, who would, of course, go on to uh, co write uh, a lot of Batman yeah. the animated series. He co created the character of Harley Quinn. Yes. Uh, he did, wrote some great comics as well. Uh, he he's, was he's quite the, an inspiration to me. Actually. The Tiny
0: Toons guy, the Animaniacs yeah. guy. Um,
1: he's a really, really great writer, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and the very last episode involves uh, Mungo Baobab finding his long lost great uncle who went off in search of runestones. And the, I, th- this, the idea of this, it's like they hit the moral too soon. <laughs> because what happens is he finds, he's about to go home and says, listen, we didn't find the rune stones. We only got enough gas left to go back home. This whole thing's kind of a bust. Let's just go. Mm. And then as a going away present, like the family, they helped and protect the planet and shit. Uh, they give him like, they found one rune stone.
2: Mm.
1: Here you go. It's the best we can do. And he's like, wow. Let's go find where this came from he's like gold fever like Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> and uh they go to this like possibly haunted like leftover like star destroyer shit also kind of like rise of skywalker mm-hmm. and they find an old man there who turns out to be his great uncle and his great uncle says yes i found all of these clues to the runestones but one thing i've learned mungo bear is that runestones aren't as important as family and Mungo <laughs> Beabob's like, great. Okay, we're gonna leave you here, guy who told us the most important thing is family. You can stay here and die, and then I'm gonna go off and find these rune stones. And then for the rest of the episode, anytime, anything happens, mm-hmm. everyone tells Mungo Babob just drop the rune stones. I'm like, he doesn't have to. They're in his pocket.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can keep them. Like it's not life or death. It's not like you're, it's not like Indiana Jones deciding between like you know the, the, the whip the,
0: and the idol yeah. yeah the
1: whip and the idol or the or the uh um the holy grail or oh, his right, dad right, right, or yeah, shit yeah. like no it's not a this or that situation there's time for both mm. but everyone's always telling him just throw away the rune stones and I'm like, I don't like they're they're we, not they, don't, they're, yeah
0: they're, yeah, they're, they're weighing him down in that, in that much. His fucking
1: pocket. what the fuck um but uh, eventually he does end up in a life or death situation and he decides to throw them away and I'm like fine but we kind of Skipped the head to that moral. He kind of learned it at the beginning and just willfully ignored it for no reason. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the very last episode, it turns out that all of Mungo Beobab's uncle's uh, clues lead him to discover that all of the runestones are hidden like underneath like the magma in the volcano base of the main bad guys mm. all along. They were always fucking there. Mm. Oh, the irony!
0: But it turns out
1: that this was the moment where. Uh, um, w- what's his name? The main asshole guy. Uh, he-
0: yeah.
1: Uh, he has decided to unleash a biological weapon on the planet. The biological weapon, I'm watching this right now in, like, late March 2020, Mm. and I'm like, this is getting too close to home. (laughs) Uh, Everyone is affected by it, even the bad guys, and so the villain gets it. But here's the stupid-ass thing. Uh It doesn't just kill you. It makes you, like, disappear. Like, his hand starts vanishing, like, in Back to the Future, which came out the same year, so it's not a reference. Um, That's dumb. But at the end... it's
0: scary. It's kind of... Kinda, it feels like they're trying... It,
1: they're They're trying to take this thing that could be scary and make it less scary by making it something that just doesn't feel like even in Star Wars it could happen. Okay. Um, I guess people think that because Jedi disappear when they die, mm-hmm. other people could too. That hadn't been codified yet. It doesn't really track. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, uh, Mungo um, he like destroys the mountain. Mm-hmm. Everyone's evacuating. And he had gotten the cure. Like the, their main villain had stolen like a scientist and he was trying to get the cure. Mungo Bob has the cure. Mm. And he actually tosses it to the villain. He, Because the guy's dying. And he tosses mm. it to the villain. He's like, you know what? I don't even give a shit anymore. Here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the <laughs> asshole you are. Take the cure. Mm. And the guy has the cure in his hand. And he is so... This is almost tragic. He is so busy... Cursing Mungo Baobab and saying, I'll get you for this Mungo Baobab. I'm like, get you for what? Giving you the cure to your disease? But I'll get you for this Mungo Baobab. And then he waited just long enough to take the cure that mm. he died before he could take it. Yep. There's something, that feels like a Paul Dini beat right there. There's, <laughs> there's an element of tragedy that um. the show does not earn or or really make work. I mean, it's, but there's it, it, on it paper as, that's that's pretty that's pretty good ironic ending.
0: It works as well as anything does in this show, um, which is to say, kinda, kinda. So, um, again, I want to reiterate. I'm not in love with droids, but I do appreciate that we did got a lot of really interesting robots everywhere. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of – the characters weren't interesting, but I like the character design. I like that we're dealing with sort of how crime-ridden and grungy the whole world is of Star yeah. Wars. But again, That's it, it, not dealing with the, the actual combat experience. Like, again, Star Wars is
1: supposed to feel really lived in mm-hmm. and where there is like a day-to-day grind and more so than many of the other – uh, media that has come out of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And this really feels like it. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is the story about we're going to do a Star Wars animated series about dudes with day jobs.
0: And, yeah. the, and the droids have day jobs. Yeah, yeah. There, there is this element of of a bureaucracy to the droids' lives. Uh, we're finally getting a lot of explanations as to how some of these things function, uh-huh. rather than just how they relate to this gigantic epic story of good and evil fighting and, one and another. specifically
1: the Skywalkers. It's, it's cool. not all about the Skywalkers, is it? There's also this other shit. Ha- oh, by the way, I almost oh, but forgot. We, but
0: we just called it the Skywalker Saga, so that must be right. Yeah, uh, we just
1: called it that just with now. With this last
0: movie, yeah. We started calling this... All, all of the episode-numbered movies yeah. are called the Skywalker Saga.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, I forgot one really important thing about that last episode. Yeah. Uh, R2-D2 shrinks.
0: Oh, right. The, the,
1: R2-D2 looks in a magic mirror, and then he shrinks down to the size that C-3PO can fit him in his hand. And C-3PO just, like, throws him in this compartment in his stomach.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's just a thing that happens. That doesn't Look, even... That's not uh, important. That's <laughs> just a thing. So, a lot of people don't like Battle for Endor uh, because... First, it's a TV movie. It's kind of cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like the Ewoks because they're mm-hmm. too commercial. And uh, also, the story is about, essentially, like, evil wizards living in a castle. It feels yeah. medieval. Well, they're magic.
1: Uh, there's yeah. actually, like, a sorceress in
0: it. Exactly. And here Which there's... like,
1: transforms into shit. Yeah, ship here
0: there's a magic mirror that can shrink you and a magic virus that can make you vanish. Like, it's not a biological thing. It's kind of a magical it, it, thing. It
1: is a... It is a biological right. thing, but its effect is magic, much mm. like a lot. I mean, what is the force? It's this. It's explained well, by science, but it's kind of magic.
0: Well, also, yeah, in, in, and <clears throat> they only ever mentioned this in the, the the Phantom Menace. But it's like like psychic creatures that live in your blood, yeah. called midi chlorians, yep. Um, I don't know why they don't, they don't ever bring that up again. I guess because a lot of people hated the idea. Uh, it's but the not Force Im- had a biological background.
1: It's not important. Um, I think, I'm trying to remember, I feel like George Lucas said that would have been more important in the episodes seven through nine if he had done them, but he didn't, so uh, it doesn't matter.
0: But shrinking down. But the idea that there's this, like, a magical shrinking mirror in Star Wars is, isn't so far fetched when you see how much, like, magical stuff there is otherwise. Kinda, I feel like there is. I feel like every work
1: of fiction, no matter how far-fetched, there's a line you can cross. Mm. Where after a while, we have established kind of the boundaries of the world in which we live. Mm. And if you step over that line, it is okay to cry foul. Mm. I feel like everything has that line, regardless of what it is. I feel like a couple of times droids cross that line. Okay. Not not so bad. We could never come back format, but we're just like when R two D two shrank down, and they're like, okay. "Oh, it's a magic converter." Yeah, I'm like, mm. no, that's stupid. <laughs> and uh, when people started just vanishing, mm. and again, I know Jedi shit, but they're not Jedi. Uh, I'm like, no.
0: Well, if, if no, if i there's a, buy it. If there's a biological component to the force, maybe you could get some of those little midi put them in a virus, and make people vanish. Okay, a midi force magic. I would actually that, a midi virus might mm. actually be a good idea for a storyline. They didn't say midi chlorian virus. But no. Yeah. Okay. If, like, you, like if you call midi- it a midi virus, maybe I'll buy the it. The midi are no dumber <laughs> than the mycelial network on Discovery. So uh, mm. we're and the, my, myceli- I think the mycelial network is dumber. <laughs> based on what I know, I think the mycelial network is dumber than midichlorians. Uh, br- briefly for our listeners, the mycelial network on Star Trek Discovery uh, is maybe the dumbest Star Trek idea ever, where it turns out the entire galaxy universe uh, is home to uh, an, an endless supply of microscopic interdimensional fungus. Yeah. Like little spores that just sort of float out everywhere. And the, the Discovery is able to tap its engines into this interdimensional fungus that's everywhere in the universe and essentially teleport anywhere. Which, I will say this,
1: wasn't there teleporting fungus in the show Earth 2?
0: Oh, I think there was. Yeah, so yeah. A, there's
1: a precedent for it, but uh, B, the problem with that... Takes the trek out of it, it yeah. ruin No, it it betrays the premise. There's a mm. line, and that crosses it because all of a sudden mm. we don't need to travel anywhere. Much like the J.J. Abrams movies, perfected transporter technology to where people could just travel instantly to any other planet. Mm. We don't need a ship anymore. What's the fucking point?
0: You have yeah. ruined that
1: whole aspect of the story. Or at the end of, like, well, in, or at the well, end well, of Into Darkness, where they cure death. Well, no, then shit, we'll just get a bunch of con blood, if, put so, it everywhere, and then we no one ever dies again.
0: If there's an episode or even a story arc, even a whole season of Star Trek Discovery where they have this ability to teleport, but they actually deal with the consequences of that, and they yeah. bring it back to Starfleet, and they wonder, how are we going to start incorporating this technology into our ships? Is that something we want to do? Is that something we hide? If they started asking those questions, that would be okay. They don't. Yeah. They just teleport around willy-nilly, yeah. and then they use it for combat.
1: Exactly. That feels yeah. like it breaks the rules, so. So yeah. sometimes it feels like the rules can
0: be broken. So you think the magic mirror is too much for Star I feel Star like the magic writers. mirror is a bit much. There's okay. a
1: couple of things in the series that are a bit much. That one comes to mind. Okay. The, the Jedi if, fadeaway though, disease comes to mind. Even though there's
0: also a magic mirror in The Last Jedi?
1: That mirror doesn't physically change you, though. And that mirror right. is representative of just, like, the cave in Empire, where mm. it's, like, there's a whole bunch of force energy here. Mm. And if a Jedi comes in here, they have, like, hallucinations. They established that. It's fine. It just happens to be a mirror in this one. That was not the point. The mirror didn't... (laughs) Ray didn't turn 50 feet tall because she looked in a mirror. Or or turn into an inch tall. Like, that would have been a different... All of a sudden, the last Jedi becomes inch-high private eye. (laughs) But she's a Jedi. Inch-high private Jedi. Um, If droids had lasted... They would have kept probably the same format, where every four or five episodes, the droids been, and, and trade, R- okay. yeah, find themselves in a new situation. The problem with that is that not all of these things are created equal, and maybe you start linking characters, and then you get. And maybe this is why everyone who, like, starts owning the droids sucks, so that we don't want to see them over and over again.
0: <laughs> kind of generic, yeah. Maybe
1: that's why, but it's also sort of a recipe for not very interesting side characters. Uh, well, I think
0: it's fine. There's a lot of characters you might fall in love with as a supporting character in one episode oh. of your favorite show. Yeah. And they might come back again later. Like, how do you maybe. feel about Moriarty on Star Trek The Next Generation? I
1: love Moriarty on Star Trek Do you want him to be series. in
0: every episode? Yes, <laughs> that okay. would be cool. Thank I think you. I think we saw him twice, and I think that's fine. And no, i I, I, I can to... still like the character, and not see him all the time. I would
1: I would have been fine with him mm. being in every episode. I like him; he's neat. Just make him a member of the crew. Why not? Quark was in every episode of Deep mm. Space Nine. He didn't have everything. Any of Do half the time?
0: Except when he like dressed in drag. And
1: okay, that was the worst episode. <laughs> that's
0: clearly the worst. That's episode. probably the
1: worst episode yeah. of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and like right. the only bad Quark episode. I, I, Most of the Quark episodes are pretty good.
0: They're pretty. Yeah, they're pretty good.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think it could have worked. I yeah. think I might have liked to have seen more. But then again, I'm also pretty content with this being it. I'm the one thing that bugs me isn't that this is all that we had, mm. or that it should have gone on longer, but that this is so hard to find and so overlooked, mm. and yet clearly so close to the heart of some of the people who make Star Wars. I feel like well, this should and- be at least... This should this and, like, and the Ewok movies, mm. th- this should at least be available. This should at least be yeah. one of the... Because this is not currently available. Like, there was a DVD release. It's gone now. There's a cat on the on the counter, but otherwise well, it's, gonna it's be, gone It's going to be gone soon. Yeah. Um, Luca? Off the counter, cat. It's almost your dinner time, buddy. We'll feed you in a second. Ah, poor little guy. Um... But, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm actually torn. What do you think? Was this canceled too soon? I, I
0: think it was. I think there's uh, okay. a, enough imagination here and enough enough interesting design and enough room to move forward, to move Star Wars forward. Yeah. And I I, I admit that a lot of my reaction to this is uh, based on my reaction to the Disney Star Wars movies, mm. which is a lack of imagination, I feel. like I think The Last Jedi had it, but these other ones were just so dull. They're just the same stuff, same characters. We're going to tell a story earlier that took place earlier, but it's young Han Solo. It's like, nah. mm. how did how did he get his gun? Who cares? I don't the gun care. is not important. He picked up the gun from a yeah.
1: fucking five and dime. Like, I don't. The gun doesn't need an origin. That part's stupid. Also, what, what, everything doesn't need an origin. What a dingus! He's
0: dressing the same after 50 years. He like, the same outfit. Well, I, but I think that's
1: a Star Wars thing because remember in Solo when we look inside Lando's closet and it's just variations on the same outfit.
0: But that was that's a gag. See, I know that's supposed that's to be the, a comedy I, bit. Again, uh, I agree. But anyway. But, uh, yeah, this was the first time, even though it's it's c 3 PO and R2-D2, their character isn't what's, like, connecting to us to the—it's the one connective material. Yeah. But it, their existence through these adventures isn't making— the start, like the Skywalker saga, more important somehow is they're not feeding into something we know already. Mm-hmm. Well, just they're having with, new adventures yeah. in these new parts well, of the galaxy, it, which is all, what I've always kind of longed for from Star Wars.
1: If you think about the original Star Wars trilogy, which was besides the holiday special, all it had mm-hmm. by the point the droids came out, yeah. Um Which you, there is definitely a way of looking at them. This is how they're introduced mm-hmm. as the story of these droids, yeah, who glom onto this big epic story. Mm-hmm. Droids is actually a very pure follow-up to that. In Mm -hmm. fact, in many respects, that basic premise, the idea that we are but Mm -hmm. a fly on the wall of a larger story, that our Mm -hmm. protagonists are average, everyday, working-class folk Mm -hmm. who will always be present in even the greatest of tales. Mm -hmm. In some respects, you could argue that Star Wars droids is... The most respectful to the original premise of Star Wars, mm-hmm. which is that maybe it's not all about Luke Skywalker. Maybe it is about the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Maybe it is about yeah. the typical well, everyday people. Maybe that can, is more important in the and, long run. Which how is one Wars of the reasons why I like that Rey wasn't related to anybody mm-hmm. for a while, because like, un- that's important.
0: Like, until she was. Until um, she was. Uh, but yeah, consider how Star Wars began. It's just these two guys wandering through the desert. There's just nothing.
1: You know how people say, like, when we do, like, lists of the best Star Wars movies, or we rank all the Star Wars movies, yeah. there's no point around the best, because there's still only, like, 15. But, like, and people just say, oh, we didn't put the Ewok movies in there, because they don't count. Mm. And the only reason they don't count is because they decide they didn't. Like, mm. there's no other reason. Like, even well, if they're not canonical, also, they're real movies. Also,
0: they... they the people who are making those lists clearly haven't like studied and considered them in the same sort of well, way maybe, I don't know maybe if that's... they've seen maybe they are big fans of those movies maybe but, but yeah. i
1: feel like when we say like oh they don't count because they're not canonical but mm. i'm like okay so if you make a list of like if you rank all the james bond movies do you only rank the daniel craig ones because that's a reboot and none of the other ones happened ever anymore right no they're all james bond movies mm. so basically they don't count just because you decide yeah then a lot of people decided this kind of collectively, and I don't like that. But if we're gonna follow that, can we just say Rise of Skywalker doesn't count, <laughs> and just everything ended with Last Jedi and it's fine? The, the
0: story ended with Last Jedi. Well, parts I, it, of the
1: story ended with Last, not all of it. Okay, there are what, definitely dangling threads. What what needed to be solved well, the First Order still runs the galaxy. So? Well, still, that's bad.
0: They, they killed off the Rebellion. A side won. The war came to an end finally. The bad guys won. That's not necessarily satisfying, but it's an end. They finished it. <sighs> that's the end of the story. I,
1: I, I disagree not, that it needed to yeah. be, but fair enough, that, that's yeah. not my point. Anyway, we're, we're, we're in digression territory. <clears throat> um, I'm actually, I'm convinced. I'm on your side. I think Droids was canceled too soon. Okay, It's not a great animated series. It is, however... Better than a lot of the stuff that was on at the same time.
0: Yeah. yeah like, yeah. legitimately
1: was, better was, than was, a lot of the other animated series on TV.
0: The, the writing wasn't great, but the the design was more interesting. Mm-hmm. The animation was at least active. Even the tone it was very uh, unique. It, it looked really strange. I liked this, this multi-arc structure, like a few mini-stories throughout. Um, Yeah, yeah. The, the fact that it's Star Wars is almost incidental. Kind of. <laughs>
1: Um, so, yeah, we like it. And uh, this is pretty readily available online, but hopefully one day Disney will put it on Disney Plus. I don't think it's on Disney Plus. No, I don't think no. so. Um, so, uh, anyway, it's worth tracking down if you're a Star Wars fan. Do not mm. disregard it just because it is already disregarded.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a trap. When you disregard something that people just overlook or don't include in things because, mm-hmm. oh, do I really need to see Battle for Endor? Well, technically, no, you don't need to see any Star Wars movie. But if you like Star Wars, you should probably see those movies. They're yeah, kind of it, interesting, especially Battle for Andor. But there's well, um, good stuff here. There's stuff that is worth discovering if you're into Star Wars. There's also quite a bit of filler. Some bits aren't very good. A lot of the characters are kind yeah, of forgettable. But the parts that are interesting are interesting enough.
0: I, I like this better than you know the Clone Wars movie. I like this better yeah. than, than a lot of the movies, actually. Um, yeah. Oh, what was um, – somebody came up with like, quote, proper viewing order at one point. was The machete order. The, the machete cut, yeah. Was it yeah. Oswald came up with that? Oh, I don't, uh, was it? I don't, I don't know.
1: The idea was you watch uh, Star Wars – episode. You watch Star Wars. You watch Star then you watch Wars. Empire Strikes Back. And then after Empire Strikes Back reveals that Darth Vader is Luke's father, uh,
0: then I you think – You go back to see – the. that's when you go back to see the young – uh, Darth but, I Vader, think, but I think even, and then you go back to the other films. Later. I think
1: even then you're supposed to skip Phantom Menace. <laughs> I oh, think you're right, supposed well, to yeah. just go straight to, uh, to Attack of the Clones Revenge. Of the, and actually, maybe mm-hmm. even just Revenge of the Sith. I don't mm-hmm. recall. Uh, and then and then you watch Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. That's the idea.
0: Still, my, it's pre- fine. I still prefer the first Star Wars. I think I still
1: <laughs> think that you watch them in the order in which they were released. I think that's mm-hmm. the order to watch them. And because otherwise, they don't actually introduce shit.
0: Well, they don't make any sense. Well, uh, they don't.
1: I, like, they don't tell you what the force is until episode, until you're four movies in. At that point, no. I I remember like,
0: doing that. It's weird. I, I actually, as as this like thought experiment, uh, yeah. I, I reviewed all the Star Wars movies and tried to in episode order. Yeah, uh, this episode was before one, two, three, four, five, before in. the Disney ones, and um, yeah, yeah. And there's all this weird stuff that doesn't make any sense if you don't have the knowledge introduced in the Star Wars movies. Yeah. Uh, the first Star Wars movies in yeah. the seventies. Um. So if you
1: like us talking about Star Wars, uh, good news. Mm-hmm. Because our Star Wars podcast premieres this week. Uh We are recording the first episode of Episode Zero, uh, in which Whitney and I will talk about not so much Star Wars Mm. as the movies and TV shows and other media, uh, mostly movies, uh, that inspired Star Wars. That's right. We're going to be starting off with the original 1930s Flash Gordon serials, which... If you watch them, and we do highly recommend that you do, you'll see the DNA of Star Wars. You'll see Mm -hmm. a lot of sequences that are very specifically evoked and in some cases kind of copied (laughs) uh, in Star Wars. And we're going to talk about how that original movie plays. We're going to compare it a bit to Star Wars, but we kind of just want to look at these things on their own merits. um, And use Star Wars not as an excuse to see how other things connect to Star Wars, but use Star Wars to look back in history. Mm -hmm. It is the lens through which we look back in history, and everything opens up from there. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to look at a lot of different movies, and we're looking at stuff from all over the world. We're looking at American cinema, Japanese cinema, experimental cinema. The, the um, things
0: that George Lucas was into, essentially. Yeah.
1: Um, and that's really exciting, and we can't wait to really delve into it. And we've been building to it for a while, and a lot of stuff happened in the world. And um, it's we're stoked. Mm-hmm. So later this week, we are going to premiere... Episode 0, Star Wars. There's no Star Wars Episode 0 that I'm aware of, so this is the one. Uh, So that's going to be right here in the Critically Acclaimed Network. That's going to be free for everybody. But if you want a ton of exclusive content, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where we have a ton of exclusive shows, including Out of Gas, where we review every episode of Firefly. We're currently three episodes into that. Uh, we have all our yesterdays where we review every single episode of Star Trek all the series, all the movies in production order one podcast per episode and we are 20, actually, we're 30 episodes into that. We're about we the to do our 30th, 30th
0: episode. Yeah,
1: we're about to finish yeah. off the first season of the original series of Star Trek, and we're going to move on from there. Uh, we have all uh, only the best, where we review every single movie ever nominated for Best Picture, which we need to get on that in the next week or so. Yeah, we're that's true. We've got we're another we're episode. On that one. Uh, we do commentary mm-hmm. tracks as well. We just released a commentary track for Citizen Kane. Uh, so if you ever wondered, like, why is Citizen Kane such a big deal, you can listen along, or you can listen to it as a separate podcast. We're about to do a commentary track in the next couple of weeks for Supergirl, the movie, which I feel gets overlooked, even though mm. it, it's interesting. Maybe it's not good, but it's very interesting. Mm. Um, and we got a ton of other stuff there as well. You can vote for future episodes of our shows and polls, et cetera. Uh, next time on Cancel Too Soon, we're going to be reviewing, uh, because our patrons voted for it, the short-lived sci-fi series Flash Forward. That which that is was about, what you voted for. Which is about people
0: who flash forward. So they're editors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, everyone in the world gets a vision of the future. Mm-hmm. And that vision is accurate. And it's all about if you knew what was going to happen, I, I don't know the distance. I haven't started watching it, but if you knew what was going to happen in 10 years, mm. how would you alter your how behavior? Would, it, it's basically. Could you like, alter your behavior? The idea sounds strong. It sounds like every Greek tragedy you've ever heard of, where like Cassandra, you will kill your dad. Well,. -uh. (laughs) Nuh-uh. I'm gonna do all this stuff that'll make me kill my dad. Well, maybe don't do that. Uh. Or do. No one ever goes in a Greek tragedy like, yes, you will conquer this empire, but then a guy named Perseus will come along with one sandal and take it from you. The guy never goes, fair enough. (laughs) I guess I'm stuck. I guess that's all that's gonna be. Well, I'll enjoy it while it lasts. Like, they never do that. Mm. (laughs) They never just deal with it. They, They trust that it's true, but they assume for some reason that they're the exception, and I guess that's the human condition. <laughs> it's our ego, but you know, I don't know. The There's never word, one hubris guy.
0: hubris is a Greek word, but... There's never...
1: Yes, good old Hubris Jones. Like, that guy was the first person to have hubris, and we all named it after him.
0: Oh, we'd have a Greek name. So. Hubris... Hubris... Canacarides. Carlotos. yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, Anyway, that's it for Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William DeBiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, And uh, by all means, email us if you have strong opinions about droids, uh, Star Wars, any of the things that we discussed on this show. Letters at CriticallyAcclaimed.net. We read our emails uh, aloud on our podcast We've Got Mail every week. And we respond to your criticisms, we answer your questions, we recommend stuff. Whatever you want us to do, it's your time. Um, And Whitney, am I forgetting anything?
0: Uh, No, I think they got covered it all.
1: Well, then that's a wrap. We'll see you next season.